Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic, and welcome to episode 390 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where today I am joined by the Chosen of Valhalla, as this is indeed our November member chosen stream and so we will start off by just saying good morning everyone thank you for joining us whether you're watching on youtube on rumble or on odyssey thank you for joining as you all know though today is all about the chosen and so i will try to keep an eye on the chat when i can if anyone super chats or donates or anything like that of course um but other than that have fun conversations as i will be conversing with the chosen. So let's go ahead and go around the horn, starting off first with Mr. Roy. Mr. Roy, how are you doing today, good sir? No, I'm pretty good. A little sleepy. I just woke up. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Because uh, you, didn't you recently, maybe this was last month, have like a couple weeks off? Yeah, I had um, it was nine days off. Okay. Uh, I did a little road trip around Texas. Yeah, yeah that's so. right. The pictures. Oh, that's uh, right. That's right. You had fun on that trip? Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I went over to Corpus Christi, Texas, to visit the USS Lexington. Um, did a hard hat tour, so we went down to the bottom of the ship and all that stuff. It was, it was really nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was, is awesome. Yeah, a little cramp, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got tall, so <laughs> try to get through a really small ship. I mean, yeah, it's so a big be like, ooh, got to get a little bit through <laughs> Yeah, it's a big ship, but when you get down to the bottom parts of it, it gets small, small. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome, though. I feel like uh, that's not something people get to do very often. No. Nah, uh, yeah, it was only like, it, it's weird because their website kind of hides the info for it, and you have to kind of dig through their website to, to find the info in order to set up the tour. Yeah, it only like there's only like two other people with us. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, one of the most interesting parts was... They actually had a movie set built into the ship for the movie Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, so there's a there's a part of the film where they're showing the um, the bridge on the on the Japanese, I believe, it's a Japanese aircraft carrier mm-hmm. that was actually built into the Lexington. <laughs> and you oh can my only, goodness! Yeah, you can only see that set if you take the hard hat tour. It's not actually available to the general public. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, they make you pay top dollar for that one. <laughs> Yeah, it's, oh, it's a lot of these places you can't. There's like there's certain areas where there's not a secondary access to. Oh so yeah, they, yeah. I can't open them to the general public. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, have to have much more control over the numbers, and yeah. you don't want just general public walking through and you know. Yeah, you have to sign a bunch of stuff before you take the store. Like, oh yeah, a lot of liability stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I I mean we done. Uh, up here in Tennessee, we're right near Ruby Falls, uh, which is a beautiful tour if you're ever up in Tennessee, uh, Ruby Falls, Chattanooga area. It's awesome. Um, but one of the things that's really sad about it is that as you go through, since it's a tour that a lot of people can go through um, and they have pretty large groups, uh, they have like moments and times where you can like see like little like graffiti and stuff. It's just um, luckily it's limited because they have a lot of cameras that they've been able to hook up in there. But it, it is, yeah, that's why when you have things like that, it's like, yeah, you probably need to sign some stuff, probably need to limit the people going to see it, because you, you don't want that kind of stuff getting messed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's a awesome. huge ship. I mean, even the parts that you can visit with the general public is, like, huge. It's like, they had, like, a um, like 300 Boy Scouts there that are going to spend the night. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, I've done, like tours for military bases and military machinery before and they're really strict on who can come in and how many there and 
you have to sign an agreement and they're watching you and they've got cameras on you and it's mm-hmm. they don't take it lightly. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah they, they had 300 Boy Scouts there. They had these huge, like, Halloween themed, like, haunted house deal throughout the ship where you walked in. Yeah, it's, it was pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> wow. That would be, cr- I, I mean, I. I think I'd be because I don't do haunted houses in general because I stay away from that kind of creepy stuff. But <laughs> uh, a ship, like a haunted ship type thing, that would be oh, no. yeah. I, that's I, that ship's actually legitimately haunted. Like they do ghost tours on it. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I need a good exorcist on that ship then. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, that sounds awesome, Mister Roy. And uh, Derek McManus had asked, "Did you see the Golden Rivet?" I don't. I don't have as much knowledge of the ship. So, is that a part of the ship or? Uh, I believe I. Yeah, that, that was so much stuff I saw on that ship. I, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, do, 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 do. I don't think I did. I may have. He, okay. he may have pointed it out to me briefly. Okay. Yeah, those, that a tour was like four hours plus the the regular tour you take with the general public stuff. So I was on the ship for like six, six to eight hours. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. To, it's always nice to have those kinds of tours. Um, I, you know, my wife and I have been lucky a couple of times. We were going to – so we were in Philadelphia because we have family – who live like in the outskirts of Philadelphia. And we were doing like the, you know, the typical tour of seeing where the first like the Congress was and where the declaration of independence, like independence hall and everything. Um, and we ended up talking up with like getting to talk to one of like the guides. And because we were listening and we like, you know, I, I knew like some basic just civic stuff. Uh, he was very happy just to have someone that was genuinely interested in like the actual material. He, uh, we weren't able to get in because the tours were all sold up. And he's like, Hey, um, so around, you know, 15 minutes, I want you to, to head back to the, to the back of the building. And we're like, um, okay. And so then all of a sudden, like 15 minutes later, he just cracks the door open. It's like, come on in. And so we got to go into this tour and then he was there with us uh, kind of like showing us around. So it's always cool when you get that kind of like access of so you being on that ship for like six, eight hours. Like, oh my goodness, that must've, were the, were the guides good too? I'm assuming. Yeah. We had an actual veteran tour do the actual hard hat tour. He actually, uh, I think the, the best part of, of the tour was when he took us up to the bridge and actually showed us where the ka- the kamikaze actually came in and hit the hit the bridge in the ship. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, Mister Roy, glad to have you here, good sir, and um, definitely want to hear more about that as we as we go back around. <laughs> but we do have a, a five uh, great British pound s- 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 super chat from one of. Uh, <laughs> One of, uh, let's just say, one of Rosetta's favorites. It's the hunky, chunky, funky monkey. Uh, saying here, two cows in a field. One says moo. The other says, I was going to say that. He really paid money to say that. He did. Wow, hunky. It got a chuckle out of me and a couple others, it sounds like. So, <laughs> money well spent, hunky, chunky. Glad to <laughs> Glad to have you in the chat, good sir. Uh, we are also joined by Eagle Rider, Miss Rosetta Allen. Rosetta, how's it going? too bad busy busy <laughs> yeah i can see that so what are you working on right now it's making bookmarks for writers kits for gifts this year so okay gotcha a little close up there so very nice very cool it doesn't take a long time to do them but it's a lot of detail work it's like throwing yeah. them together in the morning <laughs> yeah well those are beautiful awesome and you're doing well <laughs> Overall, You're doing well yeah. This morning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's fall and it's going between like hot and then snowing. So there's the general sore, but other than that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a question I always like to ask people who are in areas with snow is, are you a fan of the snow? Uh, once it's actually finished snowing, I like being out in the ice and snow. When it's snowing, it hurts. Mm. Do you have to do a lot of, like, <laughs> plowing to, like, keep things open? Or, or do you all basically hunk- hunker down when it's, like, oh, big snow? Oh, nothing. We don't shut down when it snows. Otherwise, we'd never go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd ask because, you know, in my in my head, I know like because like you, you, at different times of the year, you're in different places. So in my head, there's times of the year where like in my head, it's like a cabin in the middle of like the mountains. So it's like <laughs> maybe you're you would not be grossly far off with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> places are way yeah. out of the boondocks in the mountains. Yeah. But it's uh, not far from one of the highways used to cover the passes to get through the mountains so it, when it gets really bad it's wait a couple of days for them to clear all the hi- mountain highways <laughs> okay that doesn't sound too bad no nice well thank you for for being here with us again uh we are also joined today by one of my valkyrie uh and that of course is the co-host of soup to nuts they had a show last night yes! was able to I was able to, to, to listen in just for a couple minutes before going to bed and uh, sounded like y'all had a good time watching the, I say the golem. Do no. y'all, is it golem? It's the golem. Okay. Yeah, but they do think the Tolkien-based golem mm-hmm. on the golem mm-hmm. as far as character growth. But yeah, we were all, everybody was saying the golem, but I was like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the golem. That, that's what you sit there and go. You're entitled to be wrong. It's okay, <laughs> right? It's like I'm sure. I'm sure most people look at it and go, "Oh, the golem." Yeah. I'm sure most people do that anyway. But yeah, we well, had a good time. I will say there might be another reason, and this might be more from just uh, like from the '90s and and all the other '90s kids like me, because when you played Pokemon, if you had Geodude, he would evolved to Graveler, and then his final form would be Gollum. And it would be, I think, really? I think it was spelled the same way. And so that's why, maybe that's why mispronunciations were also coming to Oh, him. okay, so it was spelled G-O-L-E-M. I believe yeah. so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the Go- Gollum, Gollum has been around as far as Jewish folklore for hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and I think there's a current golem movie that came out maybe either this year or last year dark corners reviews did a review of it but it seems like it's more of a 19th century or early 20th century setting and i know the robin the host said that it's a little a little creepier Mm -hmm. but uh but anyway yeah oh so they give a reference this is the pokemon he's cute (laughs) oh but I think like because I look at it and what little I know about about golems is that it it like it makes sense that it's called golem. Would you say maybe? Yeah, I think so. Go- With like golem. the rocky creature kind of. Yeah, golem, goblin. Yeah, goblin. Yeah. I guess. Okay. There yeah, but, yeah. But we had had a had a good show last night. Um, Everyone said they enjoyed the movie. Like I said, Mr. Roy was there and Luca hung in there, even though we have this huge time zone span and uh so he managed to hang in there to the end and it was a short it was a short movie so uh i think when we did phantom of the opera last week i 
I believe it was an hour and a half, but yeah, that'll do it for our uh, Halloween October movies. And we're going to move forward uh, from there and uh, hope, some of you can join us. Most weeks we just do chit chat and uh, what, you know, what's on our minds or whatever's going on currently. And then of other weeks we've been doing the watch party. So we're thinking after uh, the new year, we're going to do Fritz Lang's science fiction epic uh, Metropolis. And uh, I promised an intermission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it is long, uh, because we would be watching the com- as complete as it's probably going to be now. Okay. And um, Silva says, and I don't think he's in the chat right now. No, I don't see him. But Silva says and has suggested the Phantom Carriage, and I said, well, if we watch that, we'll do it around maybe before the end of the year because. Um, it's sort of a New Year's related movie where death comes back. I believe it's every New Year's Eve and someone who has wasted their life takes on the death persona for a year hmm. and it sort of switches up. But it's uh, I believe Victor Strolsom did that movie, uh, maybe 1921, but I've never seen it. So that might be kind of interesting as we bring yeah. it here. That's one I've never seen either because um, but it's one that I've always, you know, it's it's one of those films that it's it's just it's iconic. Right. It's just. Yeah. It's a film that you typically, you know, 1927 Fritz Lang. I was going to try and see the. Oh, yeah. yeah so here you go. The original 153 minutes. And then there's been several. Ed- oh, my God. Look at all yeah, those edits. Yeah. Because it got chopped up when it came to the States. It was a box office flop in Germany. Yeah, look at that. And the they finally found what they feel is the complete movie. I believe it was in Brazil or well, it was in South America. They found it in an old theater, and there were there's some footage that the F.W. Murnau Foundation had to restore. Yeah, look at that. Uh, 2008, uh, a damaged print of yes. the original cut was found in the in a museum in Argentina. In Argentina. Yeah, wow. I knew it was South America. So they at this point we have what we feel is going to be what, 95% restored. Yes, that's pretty yes. good. And where the 5% that's not restored, they'll have the inner title cards from the censor records that would say here's what you would have been seeing. Okay. So we're thinking about tackling that, but like I said, yeah, it's fairly long so we would need to put an intermission in there uh, to give people, you know, a bit of a break. But yeah, that would be, that would be a great long haul movie. Yeah. It really would. And there's so many modern science fiction movies that were inspired by Metropolis. They might not always say it, but I'll see something and go, Oh, that was in Metropolis. So, (laughs) so anyway, yeah. So, well, That's it for now. I'll try to hit on some of my movies if I get a chance because I've kind of, you know. Well, speaking yeah. of hit on, uh, Brad yes. is back, the pet yes. troll, and he yes. says, tell for the $10 super <laughs> chat, tell Tina she is sexy as hell and shuffleboard. Oh, God. <laughs> Brad, I won't have time to play shuffleboard even if I did because I'm only going on a four-day cruise, so. No, no time, no time. Thank you, Brad. I was so happy to see him in the chat. So I was like, "Where have you been?" 
I know. He's, you know, and, and someone, Brad, someone's taking your place. General Wingster is our new pet troll. Yes. And, so, Brad, uh, you're going to have to step up to the plate again. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> the timing of the super chat was perfect as well. And as soon as you said, um, you know, as soon as you said uh, to, to, uh, to um, oh, I just even forgot the reference. Anyway, there was a reference and I was able to pick up on oh, it. Oh, 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 okay. Hit on. You said you're going to hit on oh, something. Right, and I was like, oh, well, right. speaking of hitting, I yeah. was happy. I was proud of myself. There you go. Rosetta, right. are you proud of me for that, for, for <laughs> catching that and making that joke? Oh. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> oh, well. I tried. Well, see, as always, thank you for being here. Thank you. <laughs> also, uh, thank you, Stephanie B, for being in the chat. I just saw oh, that she, she showed up. And uh, and also joining us this month, he, he's back after several months of, of waiting in the wings, waiting in the shadows, never knowing exactly what's going on. He's a very mysterious man. He is, of course, Father Luca. Father, how's it going? Uh, thank you for the introduction. <laughs> uh, so I'm doing I'm doing great. Um, I'm from the other side of the pond, mm. so Europe, Austria. Currently, I started my PhD. So after defending my thesis, I started my PhD program now. In, oh my goodness! So. So wait, that's because I'm so used to the defense of the PH or the defense of the thesis happening after. Now, was that to complete a master's program? Yes. Okay. Okay. And now I'm starting my PhD program. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. And um, yeah, well, that's awesome. And yeah, congratulations, by the way, because I haven't been able to talk to you like, you know, voice to voice since you defended, you successfully defended your thesis. So congratulations on that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I you you are a much uh, braver man than I. I. I remember when I was in when I was going through my master's program for theology. We also had a similar track where we could go thesis track, and then the the one of the best days they they brought us all in saying you have to come to this meeting. It's all about do, you know whether you're going to pursue a doctorate basically, whether you're going to go on to a doctorate or a PhD program. And it's funny because literally the first three they gave us like five steps for pursuing a doctorate PhD and they're like, okay, the first three steps, don't do it. Don't do it. Do not do it. And it was all meant to say, this is not something you just casually say, Oh, I'm going to go get a PhD. It's like, mm, you gotta be ready to work. So, um, how, how are things going so far father with the PhD? So, you know, how, how in the new Testament, so in the, in the acts of the apostles, the Holy Spirit and we have decided. So my provincial and I have, we have decided that I will do my PhD program. <laughs> so my superiors and I have decided. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. The good old, yes. My, my yeah. superiors and I. <laughs> so Not me being told to do anything. It's no, it's, it's together. <laughs> so in that sense, it's a little bit easier. So Okay. So More motivation, great- right? Yeah, but it's okay. I, I uh, so for now it's the begi- So the beginning of the PhD program, I'll do free courses this semester, and then so concentrate slowly on preparing my my thesis, PhD thesis. Nice. So very cool. And in that, 
in that program, can you, I think it's that you have to, you have to defend something else, right? You, you would have to, you can't defend the same thing that you defended for your masters, right? So usually here in Innsbruck, what they say, you can use your master thesis for as, as the first chapter of your PhD. So PhD. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or oh my. You, you just need to not rewrite it, but you can use it as a part. So it's not in that sense, there is, and usually there, they say to you, if you're continuing in one field, you should continue it further. So I did my thesis on Regional Garigula-Grange, and I will continue in that direction. Okay, nice. Yeah, because lengthwise, how much longer is the PhD thesis versus the master's? Oh, I think more than, so it has to be a minimal 150 pages. It's oh. here, I think. So, but I did 120 with a. With, okay, with all right. Doesn't sound as bad when you compare. It's like I already did 120, 150. Ah, just you know. Yeah, but still, just an I extra have, week or two, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, <laughs> is that the Pareto rule? So you have to for for 80 20. So mm. for 20 percent, uh, 20 80 percent of the work you do in 20 percent of the time. And then 80% of the work, the last 20%, you have to, you need 80% of the time. And I really discovered that doing my Oh, thesis. my goodness. So oh, yeah. You need the, the, the last part. So tweaking and everything and correcting. So. Oh, yeah. Have... <laughs> oh, yeah. And I have, um, I have, because uh, um, Father Luca gracefully, gracefully uh, sent me his, his thesis to read. And so I have that already. Um, it's it's queued up. I have right now. I'm in the process of still revamping my curriculum for my students, so I haven't had a lot of time to read anything else other than um, you'll might you might appreciate this. I've been trying to utilize sources that I haven't before, but they're it's just again very very solid stuff. Right, using uh, people like you know uh, Saint Saint Alphonsus Liguori, uh, his work on moral theology, and then also um, a lot of work from from Dominic Father Dominic Prumer. Uh, is that text just got recently re-released re- re- in English. And then uh, there's a really great text. I don't know if you've heard of it before. It's an English old text series called The Father Lau, L-A-U-X. Yes. He and, uh, uh, Apologetics, Church History. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, so, it's so good. And unfortunately, you know, high school students, they, they, like, they don't care for it. But for me, I'm reading, I'm just like, oh, yes, this is exactly what... It's, it's a teacher of these subjects' best tool because it gives everything in just very nice like very actually succinct too on the topics at hand um but anyway we could talk forever about that father luca thank you so very much for for being on with us today thank you for for having me (laughs) of course of course and thank you for you know you said it's evening time over there the the sun has gone down so we will uh we will make sure to to get through and talk with everybody about the things that they're doing. And I'll make sure to keep an eye on the time as well. If we're ever getting close to, I think it's around the one thirty mark Eastern time where a couple of y'all, um, that, because that'd be about 90 minutes in, uh, might need to start. So if anyone needs to leave before then, just let me know in the private chat and I will try to make sure to, you know, have things ordered in, in, in that way. So We'll go ahead and jump into the chat real quick just to see who is here. Of course, we have Stephanie B here. Hail, Stephanie B. Thanks for being here today. Um, we also have Hunky Chunky Funky Monkey. Again, thank you for that 
uh, super chat early on. Also, Brad Beer Hunter. Oh, Brad, back again. Back to his old ways. Nice to see people don't change. How 3000 is also in the chat. Joey Horn is in the chat as well. Hail to you. Southeastern Kaiju is also hanging out in the chat with us today. And I know there's been some others as well. Um, and also we have King Kane Rumshki hanging out over on Rumble. He, he is our, our main Rumble supporter. So I appreciate you being over there. Uh, and it says, does this make me a celebrity now? I don't know necessarily if it makes you a celebrity, but, uh, hey, I do appreciate you always, always being over there. Um, and, uh, I do also, I, I had been trying to stream to, to locals, um, was in communication with some of the people at locals, which actually kind of cool. Like the fact that they reached out because again, in my own head, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a high school teacher. I, I just, this is something that I do for fun. And they're like, oh yeah, we're going to upgrade your platform. And oh yeah, we can have your stream featured on the main page. And like, oh yeah, we can just, so I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm, I'm just, what? I, I just was crazy. So anyway, I have a live chat up there uh, for any supporters who are supporters on Locals if they want to have more exclusive access uh, to that, as King Kane Rumshki calls himself, the lone wolf. Um, so we'll go ahead then and Let's go ahead and talk to our, our chosen today. And so, Mr. Roy, um, what have you been up to? Obviously, we, we talked earlier about the, the really awesome trip you went on. Uh, was there anything from that that you wanted to add or um, what movies have you been watching or just anything that you want to talk about today? Um, oh, yeah. I went to um, also went to Fredericksburg, um, Texas to go to the, I believe, the... the that they changed the name of that museum so many times. It's it's now called the National Museum of the Pacific War. <laughs> oh, it's had okay. like several different names over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a really huge, like six acre museum that they have out there yep. in the middle of Texas. Yeah, oh wow! It's, yeah, yep. it's ginormous. <laughs> Dang, that's impressive. Yeah, it's a. It's I unfortunately only had like one day to visit it. It actually takes two days to go through the mm-hmm. whole museum. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I highly recommend it. It's a big museum. <laughs> yeah. I say, if it takes two days to go through, I mean, that's already sounding they, pretty pretty good. Because, <laughs> Mr. Roy, don't they, they start, like, the causes of World War II all the way through the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's dedicated specifically to the Pacific War. Yeah. And that's what's so interesting about it. Yeah, nice. it's a bunch of stuff there that got... Man, it's, it's a whole, I can't even list it all. It's, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. Um, yeah. And because uh, I, we have, so, you know, originally from New Orleans, there's the World War II Museum there. And that's a pretty, it's a pretty good museum. It's, it's pretty well known. They had recently added this like 4D experience um, that was voiced over by Tom Hanks. Um, and so it, it's actually really well done, despite, despite, you know tom hanks but luckily he's not doing an accent so he's not doing an accent so i think it's 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 okay um so it's it's really good though if you ever if you're ever in new orleans you know definitely check out the world war ii museum and i would say definitely check out um check it uh it's on uh beyond all boundaries is what the movie's called and so it's like a movie but then there's also sets that pop up as well lights and like smoke effects that kind of thing um i think that 
if, if Rosetta, if you're ever in the area, I don't, there's like one, there's not a lot of strobing effects, but I do know that there's at least one really bright light that, that, that shines um, at one point to, it's like, it's the point where the bomb oh. is going off. And so it's like a really bright, like flash, quick flash. So I, th- I think that probably bright might affect, much, is it the consistent? Flashes, it'll get it. Okay. Okay. I don't think that one has that. Wait, what was that? <laughs> I think that's the most complex one I made. Oh, uh, nice. Very cool, yeah. Nice. I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome, Mr. Roy, going going to check that. Yeah, a lot of really cool museums. Um, so you also, and I mention this every time, you're also a big uh, movie collector like I am. So have you been watching or, or collecting anything worthy of note? Uh, let's see. I did get my Top Gun Maverick steelbook. Okay. Which one did you go with? Did you go with the Walmart one by chance? I, that was the only one that's available when I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rest of them were pretty much sold out. Which I is kind get... crazy when you think about it, because it comes with the magnetic lenticular. Yeah. You know? yeah, I didn't open it yet. <laughs> it's still, <laughs> still in the cup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been pretty much... At, right when I got back from vacation, I had been working almost nonstop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because I still, I still have uh, mine, because it's just... Again, like it's crazy because you know Best Buy always sells out of them. Amazon now is starting to get steel books too, and so they sold out. And so the fact that Walmart has them, but then also it's the same exact steel book, except you actually have this detachable. You know, put it on a fridge, keep it on the front cover if you want. It's just weird that they're the ones that still have stock. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So what else did I get? Uh... I got a uh, collector's edition of the movie Bella, which is an um, anime that came out in 2022. Oh, it's okay. Really, yeah, it's, I saw it in theaters, I believe, in January when they had a U.S. release of it. It was actually quite good. I, I really recommend it. <laughs> okay. You said it's called Bella? Mm-hmm. And yeah. did it get a... So you said it was theatrical release in 2022? I believe 2022 or 2021. It's not... It's a pretty decent... Twenty. Yeah, this dang box don't have a deal on it. Saying what year it came out. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Look trying to up. find it on on Letterbox to see if I can pull up the. But none of that looks. Yes, yes, 2021. 2021. I say that one definitely did not look like the right one. I wonder if it has one of those. Does it have like an alternate title? Because you know sometimes animes there's like different titles and such. Uh, let's see. Anima I Bella? I'll put the link in the private chat. <laughs> Is it Dario Albertini? No, it's just Bella B E L L E. Oh, that 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 explains why I was I was spelling it with with an with an A instead. <laughs> silly silly me thinking that it was spelled like in the world what am i what am i odin what are you doing <laughs> oh my goodness there we go all right Being that took silly. way too wait way much longer than it should have anyway so okay 
Cool. So, uh, Mamoru Hosada, seven-year high school student, roll with hound, win with lost mother, discovers massive online world, you, and dives into... Ooh, okay. So, is it kind of, based on that, is it kind of like Ready Player One in a certain light? Yeah, it's just done better. <laughs> Way better. <laughs> As a movie, I could, I could absolutely say, because... Ready Player One's movie as a movie is just terrible. The book's actually actually pretty good, um, but glad to hear that it's done done well in this one. Um, okay, I don't know what it is about the Ready Player One movie that I just didn't find okay. It, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. This this guy. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because um, I've heard of Wolf Children. I haven't seen that one. Girl Who Left Through Time is really good. I really really like that one. Um. And then Mariah, I remember when that one came out. And then Boy and the Beast is one I have. I just haven't seen it yet. And he did some Digimon stuff, too. Nice. And some One Piece. Look at that. All right. So you would recommend this one for people to pick up? I I think the only unfortunate thing, I think the only way to get it in 4K is to buy the really expensive collector's edition. (laughs) Oh, okay. So what does the collector's edition come with versus what, like, the regular Um, would come with? An art books and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a little booklet. Okay. Got photos and yeah, it, uh, general like the standard stuff you get in the collector's edition. Okay, nice. Very very cool. Anything else that you were able to to pick up or or to watch? That's it for pickups. Um, okay. I did uh, watch all three versions of All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh my goodness! Okay. <gasps> Now, is that oh, is that on H? Where is that? Did you pick up the the physical media for that or? No. So the first movie is made back in 1930. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, really, the only way to watch it. Okay. You know, conveniently is to watch it on um, a streaming service of some kind. Okay. Which I had to add in up renting it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I thought at first I thought like there was like three different cuts of the same one. So no, this is just like three different editions of the story. Yeah, there's a 1930 version, 1979 made for TV movie. And then there's a 2022 German film that's made by Netflix. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Cause that, okay. So this is the first, so no, no, sorry. This is the 1930s when you started off with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's a fantastic film. I highly recommend it. Okay. See, I yeah. remember seeing promos for this one. Mm-hmm. That's now, also, a really good film. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, nineteen thirties one you said it was good. Nineteen seventy nine made for TV. Um, it's it's also good, but you can tell it's made for TV. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I still recommend this version too. It's also free, so okay. It, yeah, you can watch it on YouTube and yeah. All right. That yeah, it was, a- it, was a, it was a joint venture. I don't know who made it on the British side, but um. It was distributed by, I believe, CBS. <laughs> oh, the uh, the little one TV. that was on TV. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at run times on them, and it's interesting. They're, yeah, they're, they're all long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's say the 1931, 133 minutes. The 79 one, 150. That's a t- the TV version being 150 minutes is kind of that's intense. And then the recent one about 147 minutes. Yeah. Out of all three, which would you say is the best? Uh, I've really fought in the 1930 version. Okay. Any yeah, particular it's, reason? It's, it's a classic film. I mean, yep. everything you, you will want in a classic film, it's in this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, it's an old classic black and white. I believe it's one of the earlier films that's got sound. <laughs> yeah. Being a war film, I mean, the sound's really good. Like, they did a really good job overall. Okay. Um, it's got that old school, like, all the characters are well flushed out. It, you, you, grow, you grow attached to these people, and you feel really sad to see them get all killed off one mm-hmm. by one throughout the film. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I said I haven't seen any version of them. Um, but uh, so the guy that did it, who directed it, did the original Ocean's Eleven, it looks like. And uh, also Mutiny on the Bounty. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah, Lewis Milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you would say all three are good, but if you had to encourage people to say check out the original from 1930. And then you'd say the new one's actually worth checking out. Yeah. And so then... the, the, what's interesting about the new one is that it's an actual German language film. So when oh, you're watching okay. from the German perspective, it's yeah, it, as it's done really, really well. I'll say that I think the only real criticism of it is that they kind of steered more towards the the war, like where the first movie is more character driven. This one's less character driven. If that if that makes sense. <laughs> they, they okay. Focus more on the, the anti-war stuff. <laughs> mm, all right. Not, not necessarily. Let me rephrase that. It's not anti-war stuff. It's more the cost of war. Um, this one focuses more on the surrender phase of the war, where they're trying to go. The Germany is trying to negotiate with um, the French on okay. surrendering terms, where. Germany wanted some conditions and stuff like that. The French were like, no, you're going to surrender our terms. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, because it's all... So, is all of this... Is it based off of... Obviously, it's based off of the war, but is it based off of, like, an original book, or was the movie from 1930, like, the first? Yeah, so all three films are based on a, a novel written by... Mm. I forgot the man's name, but um, he he had served in World War I on the, on, in, on the German side. Okay. So it's it's a based on basically a first hand account of the war. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. One thing I, I like uh, about this already is, you know, since you mentioned German language, you know, I, I don't know too many of the too many German actors, but uh Daniel Bruhl is in it and uh he is fantastic. Um mm-hmm. I remember seeing him in Inglorious Bastards and just was blown away. So glad to see he's in that. So definitely something I feel like I'd want to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. I'd say at least the the first one and this one would be the ones I'd say check out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. So, what else were you able to watch? That's that's pretty much it. Uh, oh, okay. Because you're traveling I, a lot, you know. I, I traveled a lot and then went straight back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and work's been going all right. It's going all right. It's it's a lot of work. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I guess uh, so. Have you had a chance to, um, or have any interest in going to see either a Black Adam or Black Panther: Wakanda Forever? Um, no. <laughs> well, I, I know you're one of the like the guy, one of the guys that does modern movies a little bit more. So I figured, <laughs> I figured uh, I'd ask. Uh, I I can't tell you. Last time I went to a movie theater, it like I think all my I think I'm racking up points like crazy on my Cinemark app because. It, I had me going in like months. <laughs> oh my goodness! There's there's nothing out that's worth me wait. You know, driving to a movie theater and going, you know, wasting fifteen dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
and that that's that's why you know for <laughs> for for Black Panther, I was like, oh, I really just you know, Gary, are you really gonna make me go like this? Just uh, and uh, l- luckily, I was able to 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 pull one of the old razzle dazzle um, techniques where I was able to have because I have the AMC A list. Um, but let's just say I, I didn't have to physically leave my house. Um, <laughs> but I still use my AMC A list, so that's how I. Because I knew I was like, okay, if I go, I know I've been hearing it's boring. And so if, if, if people I trust say it's boring, I know I'm going to find it boring. And that means I'm going to fall asleep. And then it's going to be even more of a waste of just the time to get out to the theater and then back. Uh, so it turns out, yeah, I fell asleep like halfway through um, or about 45 minutes in. And uh, so I was going to wake myself up, go grab you know my own popcorn for a lot less money and... Uh, and be able to and pick pick it back up from from there. Allegedly, of course, all 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 allegedly. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess just due to the to the bear bug, we're just not we're getting through that phase where Hollywood just wasn't able to make a bunch of movies, so we're yeah. just getting a bunch of crap right now. <laughs> yeah, and then all this space in, or at the very least, we're becoming more aware of how much space is in between major releases. Because I want to say they've always, it, that space has always been there. It just. It just feels like you never felt it like you do now. Uh, it's it's strange too because usually this is the part of the year where they throw all the Oscar bait movies into the movie theater, you know, right before the Oscars. It just it seems like they just don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, no one cares about the Oscars, so they're like, yeah, we're just going to start throwing our stuff on streaming services. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of seeming to be the way of things, and you know, obviously last year. There was a lot of attention because of the film. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it dealt with. It was one that a lot of a, a huge portion of the film was in sign language, um, and it was actually a really good movie. It was very well done, very very emotionally weighty. It was it was an Apple TV. Uh, oh yeah, the movie that won Best Picture that nobody saw because nobody has Apple. Yeah, and that's so. That's what's so sad about it too, right? Is because. Now it's they're you know now that they're relying on the streaming services, it's gonna become even more of like because even before right you go back to Moonlight right when that one won back in what 2018 or something, and that one wasn't on streaming services it was in theaters but no one saw it no, no one saw it and oh my when that film won I just was like oh, I was you know pulling what little hair I had at the time out of my head. Um, yeah, I actually had hair. I had more hair than that. Yeah, I briefly had Apple TV, and there's nothing on it. It's got yeah. Greyhound, which is a war movie that's like 90 minutes. It's yeah, with Tom Hanks. It's okay. <laughs> They've and got that is- movie that won the Oscar, which is actually good. But I think it's like if they're going to eventually release it on physical media, if if they haven't already, it's like I think it's I actually think it's worth getting. Yeah. Um, and- they got a TV show that's called For All Mankind, which is okay. I mean, yeah. that's it. <laughs> I, My wife and I, we watched... Um, there were a couple of shows that were Apple TV exclusives that we liked. I think one of them was an Apple TV. There was one where uh, it starred... Or it was like one of the co-stars, but it was Tom Felton um, from Harry Potter, who you know played Draco Malfoy. He was in like this sci-fi show, but it only went one season. So it was like interesting. I think it may have been Apple TV. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Maybe it was Amazon. For all I know, uh, sometimes they all blend together. There's just so many streaming services now. Um, but <laughs> the other one that we like is uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah. We we think that's pretty pretty funny. But 
Let's see. How much is Apple TV? Mm. Last time I looked, it was like five dollars a month. I don't know if that's with the ads or yeah, six ninety nine. Okay. All of them have gone up the past year or so because, you know. Yeah, there's nothing. Like, I'm uh-uh. looking at the ad for what's on here. There's nothing. Yeah. Like, I might pick it back up again because we had it for free when, like, new devices, right? You get it for free for, for a while. Yeah. So it's like, I if if that doesn't happen, I might pick it back up again if once the new season of Ted Lasso comes out because, as I said, my wife and I like that one. And then also another really good show on there is one that, it didn't. I don't think it started off on Apple TV. It got bought up by Apple, and it was. Um, oh, it was the one about the guys that cr- they create a game, and um, it stars one of the guys from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in it. Um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking out on the name of the show, but it's a really. It actually is a really really funny show. Um, so that again, but literally as I hopefully that that straining of my brain shows you that. There's very, very little content on there as far no, as like, they, worth apparently it. there's a program on there called The Problem with John Stewart, and I uh, guess that's where he went. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, yeah, Sage Rook a second. Thank you, Mythic Quest. That's what it is. Yeah, Mythic, Mythic Quest. Quest. That that one's pretty fun. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but seriously, yeah, it's just like <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, they get all this. You know, they have shows of all these different genres, but then they have John Stewart. So it's like they got the political stuff, and it's like oh, okay, well. Now we know your political ideology, and so <laughs> thank you. They, they um, got it. They got it. Political, but when you criticize him, he's like, oh, "I'm a comedian." Exactly. You know, it's like ugh, that's that's just not how that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Oh my goodness. Uh, anything else though that you wanted to to talk about? For, for uh, instance, okay. Well, Mr. Roy, thank you for yeah, pre- appreciate for, for always being here, and we'll course just keep, continue to go through and since i know that father luca and tina are on a schedule what i will do is uh let's go to father luca um so father luca what do you want to talk about this month uh so first i uh, say hi to laura she just entered the chat <laughs> oh sure <laughs> how's it going laura the modern major general of the channel and uh, so there are a couple of things, not not too many, but a couple of things I'd like to talk. So concerning what I saw, three uh, things I will point out. So first thing is uh, uh, what I saw is The Mummy, the 99 version with Brendan Fraser. So Oh, Brendan. That's oh, yeah. Point. Yeah. All right. Well, it, 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 is, is that your first time seeing it? No, 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 no. I saw it a couple of times, but I said, "Oh, I didn't see it a long time so, <laughs> for a long." So it, it's it's yeah. my time to see it again. So it's really fun. <laughs> I didn't. I with the Tom Cruise version, I didn't watch. So <sighs> and it's I not don't worth it. Don't even. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's if you not like good. Christianity, don't watch that version. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Uh, it's all the tropes of Tom Cruise, but without, like, usually there's at least a competent film behind it. This time it's, like, all of his tropes with not with a terrible film and everything else is terrible behind it. You so know? no redeemable qualities. Exactly. So it's, like, it's got him running and it's got him on a motorcycle, right? The typical things that are all in all of his movies, but 
that's not a good movie. It's, it's just not worth watching, right? Versus, you know, Top Gun Maverick, where it's like, it's got those tropes too, but it's actually a well-done film. So, yeah. Don't see the new one. Stick with the yeah. 99. <laughs> and that's what I'm waiting to... I heard that Brendan Fraser has a new movie coming out, The Whale. So yes. I'm yeah. interested in that uh, when it comes out eventually. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think I saw somewhere... Did one of the streaming services buy it? Because I know it was a festival film, and so usually uh, studios will go back and forth to eventually try to buy the rights to it. Yeah, it's, a, it's an A24 release. And um, maybe it was, I think it was on my box office video. I saw that I think it was mentioned and it said like physical or not physical, but like media release or physical media release. I'll, I'll double check that. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So um, I guess what prompted you to, to want to go and watch the original um, uh, mummy film from 99? Is my connection okay? I think it's a little bit. It says, yeah, there's a little red bar, but I heard what you just, I heard all the words you said, yeah. so. Okay. Uh, what, I don't know, I think because I said, and I think there on different things, bad movies, and I said, why not watch interesting, fun action movie from the time when <laughs> when movies were fun and, and when uh, <laughs> they thought about a movie and not with the MCU or, or DC or anything like that. So it was really, really fun. For I really didn't have a well, great motive. So great reason. I said, okay, I'll watch something fun and I re- remembered oh the mummy is fun so let's watch the mummy okay sometimes that's all you need to watch a movie it's just like you know what I'm in the mood to have a little bit of fun let's 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 watch let's watch the mummy and yeah I kind of left a comment and chat on that because that's one of those movies I love but it kind of makes me sad thinking about some of what happened because he had medical issues from that movie because they screwed up the hanging scene and he actually was hanging while they were doing it. Oh, no. Yeah. And there was this whole interview about he did a couple of years after because he had neck problems for almost like six years from it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's at oh, the wow. beginning where they freed. Yeah, 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 I remember. Yes. Yeah. Wow. He actually was hanging. My goodness, that's just... Ugh. And it's like one of those things because that I, I was very into most of his stuff. He was one of the only crushes that I actually had as a kid was him. So yeah, literally I uh, take out like a couple things, and most everything he did was stuff I was into. He still needs psychological help for ever doing Monkey Bone, but that's another rant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the worst movies of all time, and you know how much I hate a lot of movies, so that takes some doing. <laughs> yeah um but no i mean literally yeah he went through a lot with that movie wow well i'm glad yeah, he was able to the moment. <laughs> well i was glad i'm glad that he was able to, to to do he was still well enough to be able to continue to continue on after um you know doing other doing the sequel to the mummy and then doing a couple other things um and uh so it was it, it's 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 sad, obviously, that what 
you know happened but it's it's nice that he was still able to push on also i think it shows just the the amount of you know dedication to his to his craft as well oh yeah um, he was um, he went through years of blackballing which literally came out to him coming out about the sexual abuse stuff happening in hollywood mm-hmm. but which is glad to see him working again because of what they put him through with that but i mean he's always been a really dedicated worker in what he does yeah yeah absolutely so what else uh, were you able to to watch, Father Luca? So I t- began actually yesterday, before the the, the Golem C movie. I watched the Matrix because we we okay. also talked in. I don't know if anybody mentioned so Keanu Reeves and like that. And then I said I opened. So I have my amazon prime not to watch rings of power (laughs) (laughs) not for that reason not for i'll I'll, I'll return to that uh, later on but not for watching rings of power (laughs) (laughs) and then i'm sorry sorry just 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 to correct you just to correct you it's rings of power you gotta roll the r's every single time it's It's rings of of power power (laughs) <laughs> it's not like oh, power. Oh, oh, oh. It's not like power, like Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. I'm That would actually so be funny. It's, it's, it's exactly. It's, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a really so to remember. For me, it's the only Matrix I know. Yes. Yeah. Two Reloaded. What's the third? Don't Revolutions. exist. Yeah. Those are so all dreams. Me, it's, Don't it's exist. The, because it's a completed movie and and I really, really so you can see the nineties letter <laughs> obsession and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was really it was really a fun movie. One of the things it's all for me it is always the question of um the question of the noble lie. So because Cypher mm-hmm. uh, for he chooses to no. Let's say he's not noble lie in that sense, but in a sense, he's choosing to live a life that is a lie, just to escape from reality. Yeah. So it's really, it's a he's a good actor. So yeah. And Keanu Reeves is doing Keanu Reeves stuff, and <laughs> it's good. <laughs> and he has that whoa. Wow, I know Kung Fu. That, yeah, that's confused, <laughs> but I like that. So that confused a um, little bit look, and and I know that he in real life he's a really, really good guy, a nice guy, and yeah. So when no, he, we don't have many of them in Hollywood. I mean, no, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and that's why one of my favorite things about Keanu is. Um, and he became famous for this, right? All the photos that he takes, or I'm sure it's not every single photo, but if you look at a, most of the photos he takes where he's taking it with like women, his hands are like above them, like, like just floating above them and not actually making <laughs> contact. And it's just like, Oh, look at Keanu. Look at, look at it. He, he knows, he knows. He's like, Nope, I'm not even going to get a, uh, but again, I'm sure there's photos you can find where like, he's not, but like, there's just so many photos of him just like, hands just floating above. He's like, no, I'm not. He's acting like a 
normal guy, no, normal human being, and a good human. So he's a good human mm-hmm. being, not really just his act. Like a, he's really, from every story that I read or heard about him, he seems really a good, authentic guy. So mm-hmm. yeah, given his money, like a lot of his, uh, uh, you know, the, a lot of the money that he got from most of the films, like he t- he tends to give that to the to the crew, right? Especially like the stunt teams. And what was it from the matrix? It wasn't it the story that it was either the matrix or another film where he used all of it and bought them all like, like motorcycles or really nice cars or something. Um, he did something like that where it's like, yeah, I mean, who does that? You know, what Hollywood actor does that? You know, he, he, he did the Oprah thing before Oprah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but also like he didn't do it for attention either. Right. Course, Cause like, yeah. you know, no one, yeah, you know, people talk about it because we know about it, but but he didn't, you know, it wasn't like he had his own show. It was like, you get a car, you get a yeah. car, everybody, you know, it wasn't like me, me, me. It was just like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And then the other people who had the cars were like, oh, yeah, by the way, Keanu gave us all cars. And they're like, what? And he's just like, okay, yeah, just it's just money, right? Because he, he has a good grasp about the industry, I think. Um, and, and that's, I think, one of the many reasons why I love his John Wick run. Because, uh, you know, we can obviously talk about how the films, you know, have not been as good as the first one in different ways. But because of him being in it and because I know just based off of his own history, he's probably doing something good with the, you know, the money he's making from it. Um, there's at least that, you know, going for it. In, in addition to, like, his appreciation for stunt teams and doing stunt work and stuff. As Laura says, Keanu is playing the the world's longest game of I'm not touching you. Exactly. <laughs> um, and the other thing too, and it's because it's a weird thing. I think I know that he had tragedy very early on um, in his life. And, um, but his, his now he it's either, is it his girlfriend? Or is it is it his wife? But it's like, she's like the same age. And that's also very rare. It's like, you look and you're like, wait, Wait, there's an age-appropriate relationship going on? What? I think we were talking about... Yeah, we were talking about Keanu last night on Soup to Nuts. And yeah. Stephanie can put it in the chat. I think it was his... He and his girlfriend, their baby died. Mm. And then the girlfriend got killed. So she and the baby are yeah. buried together. And I was telling the chat, it's very hard to find personal information on him. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's very very private, so everything I was finding in my research was like stuff about his movies, but there's not a lot about his personal life. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and screw you, Matthew Perry. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. And I just yeah, just to you know pull it up again. So yeah, um, he was with some Jennifer Syme from '98 to 2001 until her death. Yeah. And then didn't and again, look at this. And it wasn't until twenty eighteen um where he again, look, so it's American visual artist who examines language and written text through painting like again, like doesn't it's it, he wasn't going into a relationship trying to get, you know, points of, you know, um you know, like, oh look, I was able to score like the biggest, you know, star in the like no, it's like he obviously it seems so much more genuine, right? And look, she's forty nine, he's fifty eight. So it's like that's actually probably one of the more appropriate <laughs> like age relationships in Hollywood. Like most of the time it's like you have these actors in their fifties and sixties and there was someone who's twenty or thirty. And it's like 
she's pushing 50. He's in his 50s. Like, wait, normal? What? Amazing. Normality is a facade. Sorry, just had to. The one thing I, I must hold against him, though, is he's Canadian. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's that's a, a he's big a good, strike. He's a good Canadian, though. He is one of the good Canadians. This is correct, but still. Can't, can't, can't. Can't trust those Canadians. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Any Bloody Canadians out there? Norm McDonald, <laughs> so a good Canadian. Norm yeah, McDonald. there you go. Oh, I forgot Norm is. I forgot Norm was Canadian. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, uh, Canada. Uh, yeah. Let's be clear. I, nothing against Canadians. They're just not the ultra polite that they're always portrayed as. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> Reeves is like the one example that we yeah. can look to. Because most of them, they're not that polite. Yeah. And there's a lot of other reference. So. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So um so, so you were talking about, you know, Matrix obviously Keanu Reeves big part of that. Was there anything else that kind of drew you to watching the Matrix again? Well, I, so always Matrix has a special place because it's also a philosophically very interesting movie even theologically. And mm-hmm. always, I return to the movie at least to to find different aspects um, in the movie. So, for example, it was interesting to me. It's so a little bit theological, in the sense how uh, Neo at the end of the movie, when he dies, that the question. So one could even either reincarnation. So, but I would mm-hmm. say even resurrection because he through that passage through the death and rebirth is, is is a changed man so because he dies in the he dies in the movie and is one cause re, either rebirth or resurrection there's a change so and then you can you can see how the the, uh, the, the directors so how they how they were influenced but it, it was christianity and buddhism and everything in mm-hmm blended in and then then also the 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 question of matrix in the sense the computer so the the digital reality and everything and i found it interesting yeah, very in like that sense. now you wanted to say you know i was just gonna say like very modern tech version of of plato's the cave right um, yeah, you know, with the allegory of the cave, and I because actually it's funny because I there's a I use a clip from the Matrix, and in the past I've used it when I teach sacraments to to say that there's actually like imagery of baptism when he gets out of the Matrix because what happens right he wakes up right he goes through water right and is reborn right brought up to the light so there's a lot of like imagery there but even more so with the cave right because there's so much symbolism when it comes to the allegory of the cave especially very very platonic and ancient greek so it's 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 fun it's fun to have the philosophical discussions about about it and it's 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 kind of sad to see where the writers have have kind of gone off the deep end a little bit but but it's interesting for example so not to 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 go too deeply but how could for example i remember when we did in and and so my bachelor's degree in philosophy in epistemology when we did it so one of the essay we had to also we had we wrote essays and this was one of the first first essay in epistemology we wrote about uh, beginning with our beginning point was 
matrix in the sense the reality of the external world material material world so it's really interesting in that sense one could use it for for different purposes either so it's entertaining it's also philosophically and theologically deep and it has keanu reeves so <laughs> i like uh, oh i love that just as a third point you're like it's uh, philosophical it's theological and it's got keanu reeves it's like <laughs> It's what makes it perfect. It's got yes. all three things that any film needs. <laughs> and Morpheus has glasses which don't work in real life. So. I know, right? <laughs> but he looks so cool. I mean, yes. when you see him in the chair, and he's just ta- it's just like, ah, oh, that's just Lawrence Fishburne. I, I, what I always I can't get out of my head, though, because my first experience with Lawrence Fishburne actually was not The Matrix 99, but was Pee-wee's Playhouse where he was Cowboy Curtis. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, a little throwback for, for anyone yeah. who, yeah. So that that was him doing like, woo-wee, I'm Cowboy Curtis. And so, like, to have that, like, comedic care, and then all of a sudden he's Morpheus, sometimes it's hard for me to, like, separate those two roles because they're so diametrically opposed to each other. But <laughs> <laughs> it shows his range as an actor, I will say. But oh, he was man. also in uh, Event Horizon, Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. Or, yeah. Um, and that's one I have not seen yet. I I have it. I picked it up because I know I've you know especially with what they had a was it recently they had a new release for it where it was like a more complete version or something like that. Um, I know they had like a a, a different physical media release for it though in the last. Oh, Event Horizon? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think the original cut that they chopped up, I heard somebody saying they don't think that exists anymore. Uh, the drinker yeah. said in his review uh, that they put it in some safe, I think, in Romania, and that it was destroyed. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, the, the original. So it was, I think, 30 to 40 minutes longer or something. Yeah, there's a couple of... Yeah, there's really good. Um, there's a couple of really good videos on YouTube that break down the history of Event Horizon, its original story, what it became, um, how they had filmed all of this stuff. It was shown to the studio, and they were like, "What in the world is this?" And then, yeah, it got cut up, and unfortunately, yeah, a lot of the footage just got lost. Um, um, it's always sad to hear that too. You're like, "Oh, it's just you can't even have that." Like, "Oh, release the Snyder cut," right? Because it's like. You can't because a lot of it just doesn't exist anymore, sadly. So that's the that's the with Matrix. So so about Gollum, I I, I will let Tina speak about it. She will <laughs> she'll do it more eloquently. Yeah. <laughs> because you obviously watched that fighting, one last night. Yeah. Yeah, I was fighting sleep, so okay. I remember oh. most of the things. No, no, I remember the most of the and it was really 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 good but still uh i will yeah. let dina speak about that <laughs> <laughs> oh and, and he also thing, the, yeah go uh, ahead so the last thing actually uh, is i would love to talk about the new book that's released the fall of numenor because oh. it was released because of the rings of power <laughs> <laughs> I think it needs to be said that way from like 
this point forward, like forever, like rings of power, because it, it, it can't it can't do anything but bring a smile to your face, because despite the fact that Schwarzenegger in real life has become a bit of a dunce, um, it's just like anytime you like anytime you do an Arnold, it just it makes me smile, you know, because it makes Come me on, think, of, do, it. do it. What are you waiting for? Like, it makes me think of that. And then, of course, it makes me think of all the ice puns um, from <laughs> what oh, killed God. the dinosaurs, the ice age. The best Batman movie ever. Yes, ab- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely the greatest ever. <laughs> All right. So Fall of Newman. Even joking, I disavow you now. <laughs> no. <laughs> or or the, the, uh, the Darth Vader. No. No. <laughs> So the fall of Numenor, because uh, it's it, it's it's um, I think understand uh, that they released it because the new because of Rings of Power it's now also being released and they mm-hmm. thought it would be okay to release it um, side by side so at the same time but unlike the Rings of Power um, <laughs> it it uses source material. <laughs> So it, it uses what Tolkien did. So it's actually, it's not something, uh, if I understand correctly, not new materials, but yeah. it's a compilation of all um, materials that he has in different sources, I think, and, and uh, yeah. Appendix and uh, Silmarillion and so forth. So It's saying it's, here that, that it uses the tale of years in the appendices of The Lord of the Rings to present the content of the second age. And what I, what I was wanted to ask, it's edited by Brian Sibley. Is this the same guy who was fired from rings of power? Uh, you Tom Shippey. Oh, someone yeah. else got, okay. Cause yeah, I, I'm assuming Brian Sibley is a, is a trustable, a, a trusting and trust. Uh, yeah. I assume that the estate of Tolkien is still in good hands for the most Part? I don't know. It's hard no. To say. no. I would say no because his granddaughter is nuts, and so uh. his and, and Simon Tolkien is a jealous SOB. So mm. yeah, and his grandkids are not good good to his legacy at all. I mean, okay. Chris had issues. He didn't get the religious aspects, but he at least cared about the authentic of what his father wrote. Yeah. I had problems with him doing things like the freaking tarot cards and stuff like that in the 90s that made me cringe but he at least understood the literature part of it his yeah. grandkids don't even know that they're nuts okay it's sad yeah because yeah because uh as you said uh, said rosetta he was at the meetings with the inklings other inklings so chris Tolkien. Mm-hmm. he was oh. present so he knew all uh, others and he knew uh, how his father and he talked with his father a lot of about those yeah. things. So he, he knew I, those, I, I cringed at things. There's things I had problems with him with, but I think he at least tried his best. Mm. Yes. Yes. Well, the guy that edited it, he's president of the Lewis Carroll Society. Um, oh, wow. Honorary member of the Children's Books History Society. A part of something called the Magic Circle. Um, British organization dedicates... Uh, oh, okay. Well... A British organization well, dedicated have... to promoting and advancing the art of magic is now. But you have to know, 
that, is that in the Inklings, Owen Barfield was also there, and he was Theosophy. So okay, Inklings were really from all different parts of. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's 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 uh, it's a interesting bunch. It's an interesting bunch. Okay. Cool. All right. So it sounds like this is like people who are doing like, um, like stage magic. At first, I was like promoting magic. Uh, oh wait, no. Okay, it sounds like it's about actual like, you know, fun magic, not the, not the demonic kind of magic. <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> but he did receive it. He he received an award from the Tolkien Society. I don't know much about it's educational charity, literary society devoted to study and promotion. So he got well, an award the from thing them. Is, I I don't know. Uh... I only took a peek in the book, so it's a glance, and it seems the book seems okay. Seems yeah. good, really good. So because he works with with uh, sources, and it's only a, it's a compilation of of sources, and it seems really really good. And it's I think it helps to to give an overview, a good overview of all the sources and all. Or the history of the uh, of the second age, which is actually really sketch. So it's there's not a lot of it in the Silmarillion. Mm. Of course, when you take everything into account, uh, the uh, the Akalabeth and and then the, um, the appendices and the, the references in the Lord of the Ring books, and then in the history of the Middle Earth, you'll get a lot. But still, to have all of the, those things. At in one place, that's really, really yeah. good. Yeah, just reading this description makes me have a little more confidence. It says, stories include the foundation of Numenor, forging of the, forging of the Rings of Bawa, uh, the last alliance against Sauron that ended the Second Age, and that he has added new introductions and commentaries to unify the writings. So it doesn't sound like he did too much as far as new material. So that's, that's a good thing to hear. And... Well, mostly that's it. So okay. from me, there's. I was thinking maybe talking about because I wrote and uh, Tina. I told Tina this. So I wrote uh, uh, an article nine months ago saying that Rings of Power will be terrible, <laughs> and sure enough, <laughs> most of the things actually. From what I understood, most of the things proved correct in a sense, promoting actual political landscape. Um, then, uh, not, for example, for me, one of the things that I really found they could, they a wasted opportunity there. For example, mm-hmm. if they wanted to introduce different races and everything like that. Why didn't they explore the peoples of Rune and Harad? So Rune, mm-hmm. Easterlings, and Harad, Haradrim, mm. and and show how the Black Numenorians exploited those, especially the Haradrim, and how they twisted them. So from a peaceful community and then people then becoming these people that are oppressed under the Black Numenorians. So. So that that would be very interesting to to yeah. explain. But of course, we got what we got. But actually, got. the corruption of the Middle East. Yeah, 
Yeah, so they, they, they... That. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, it's problematic, the fact that you said, uh, did, did I hear you correctly saying black Numenorians? Um Excuse yeah, me? Uh, because... How this is 2022. I? You can't speak that way anymore. Because it's Numenorians although, of color. It's Numenorians of color. Thank you very although, much. Although black Numenorians are, uh, are like all like the elves are fair. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but 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 that's the thing. Uh, you made her I, I understand. <laughs> exactly. Nocs. They're knocks. But the thing is, but the thing is, um, uh, um, for me, that is one of the things that is problematic. Not only okay, one could say changing the, introducing modern day politics, but even they're not faithful in the sense they're not faithful to the uh, seasonal changes and uh, traveling. So oh, yeah. traveling is completely bogus, as I understand it. I didn't watch it. Yeah. From what, what I si- saw from reviews, it seems that people are traveling here and there, and there's very, very fast, and there is no real change. Yes, they go to place to place, but you don't see the traveling, as you no. did, for example, in, in uh, the movies. Oh, in Lord of the Rings, yeah, absolutely. We're always based on the adventure of travel. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the things that I also found very, very problematic. Yeah. You're cutting Uh-oh. up a little bit there. We do we still have father? Oh, wait a minute. He's all right. That was. I'm Hello. back. Yay. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we, we we lost you right 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 towards uh, uh when you were starting that up. I, j- I just want to say, in, in a sense, really seemed to me that that this that rings of power is as a failure as the Zimmermans. Um, proposed script so the Zimmerman was the his name is Morton Grady Zimmerman he he proposed the script in the I think it was in the 50s mm. to do uh, Lord of the Ring oh right Ring yeah movie. yeah and it was terrible and Tolkien wrote a letter in which he explained why everything almost everything that Zimmerman proposes is garbage so, Does he break down every like little detail? A lot of details. So, oh, okay. in the sense that he doesn't respect, I will. I will have to find the exact. I think the letter <laughs> yeah. is, and I will find the letter because I, I think the yeah. letter is two thirty nine or something like that. No, okay, got it wrong. And I will say because there he really lists all the things that do not work in the. I would just say. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'll ha- I have to find, but it, it's one, and he really, for example, explains. I cannot find it now, but he really explains it 
in a sense, everything that is wrong with the proposed script. And one can say that, and when one asks, what would Tolkien say about the new? <laughs> I think he would even be very critical of the Peter Jackson trilogy. Trilogy. So mm -hmm. Tolkien would be, but when he oh, would, yeah. when he, but if he saw Rings of Power, he would be, I don't know, he would chase them with. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That that would be. He would say, "Oh, terrible! What a ter abomination of desolation!" Absolutely, yeah. It's like he'd be angry and he'd be frustrated. I feel like with Lord of the Rings movies, but then he would be downright ticked off with with the Lord with the actual Rings of Power Power uh, series. Um, wow. Oh, yeah, it's just oh that whole thing. I'm so glad that that series, at least season one, is over. I can't believe that they're going to make more. Honestly, it just it's they have to. I know it's like no, it's like you might have you have to in the in the technical sense of the word, but you do you really have to? Do you really have to? Oh goodness me! Um, but anyway, is that uh, Father Luca? That pretty much all that you wanted to talk about. And the last thing is, I really appreciate yeah. the, what Rosetta is doing. It's really beautiful. Uh, see that she's doing oh it. yeah there you go yeah it, lo it does those, look great. those are good bookmarks great bookmarks there you go oh thanks no, just gotta keep working right <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah lot to do nice so that's all oh. from me. Cool. And yeah, I'll I'll hang a little bit to hear what Tina has. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, took, right. I, took, I took a little bit more time than I thought. So. <laughs> so it's hey, it's it's okay. Um, uh, Tina, you you doing okay time wise? Uh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can spare about thirty. Okay. All right. Well, um, unless someone, so Mr. Roy and. Uh, Rosetta, y'all doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing okay. All right. All right, cool. So uh, we'll go ahead then and move it over to, to Tina. Tina, how have you been? What you been up to? Oh, well, just keeping busy. Always got to keep the brain busy. Uh, yeah. First cruise in two and a half, almost three years, coming up in uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving. So I'm gonna fly down to find down to Orlando two days early, and then the cruise is only four days, and then when we get back to Orlando, well, Port Canaveral, uh, I'm flying out the same day. Nice. So uh, yeah, and uh, Luca, Mr. Roy, thanks again for coming to the show last night. Really do appreciate it, and we had a had a really good time. Uh, the movie watches have been. They've been fun, and uh, a few of the people are saying yeah, it's the first time they're seeing some of these movies, so uh, that's that's pretty cool. So I was kind of surprised. I was going back over my list of movies I've seen over the past month, and I was like, well, I saw more than I realized, and uh, YouTube has a load of movies for free now, officially for free. Mm. And so sometimes I'll be going through and I'll say, oh, I've heard of that movie. I'll catch that. <laughs> um, 
so let me start at my bottom, bottom one. Uh, cult cinema classics, as usual, always digs up these fun ones, I'll call them. So he showed a movie the other night. It was called Sex. Yeah, I saw that on the list. I was like, huh. For a, well. for a movie that calls itself sex, there wasn't a whole lot of it. And there was <laughs> this was pre-code. Very pre-code. Yeah, so 1920, the, yeah. 1920. So the only interesting thing about the movie was that Fred Niblo directed it, and he was the director of Douglas Fairbanks, Marco Zaro. Uh, he did the Ben-Hur, the silent version with uh, Ramon Navarro. I hope I said that right. That's the only things that kind of, I guess, raised the movie up above it being a B-movie. But it's just kind of like, when you backstab, don't be surprised if you get backstabbed at the end. Mm. So it was kind of that kind of movie. And I, at the end, I don't think there are very many people are going to see this movie anyway. But yeah. at the end, I thought she was going to take a header off the ocean liner, and she didn't. So I was like, okay, she's just going to sail off into the sunset with her miserable life now. So there you go. So, so anyway, that was sex. They they really could have used a whole lot more sex in it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so my my three star movies. I watched um, the more recent version of Lolita with Stephanie's gone, but with her favorite actor Jeremy Irons, and I felt that that version was more faithful to the book, which I've read. I thought it was more faithful to the book than the Kubrick version, which I kind of have a feeling that the Peter Sellers character in the Kubrick movie, uh, Quilty, I think that's the character's name. I thought he was more interested in that character than he was in Lolita and Humbert who are what the book is supposed to be about. And the more modern version, I just felt it was more faithful to the novel. Mm. So I liked it. I mean, it's still a mess of it. It's just a very complicated story. If you've never read the book, I would say uh, check it out on a literary level. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to approve of what it is, but if you just want to le- read something that is delving into those issues, and I think every character in the book is abominable. Uh, yeah, I think pretty much so. Luca, you were fine. I just thought that question, I just thought when you said Black Numenorians, I had to laugh. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, it's, but it was good. Jeremy Irons really threw himself into the role like he always does. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have forgotten what a great actor he is because many people, the only thing they think, of, oh, didn't he play Alfred in the, yes, yes, he did. But the guy won an Oscar uh, for playing Klaus von Bülow. And Jeremy Irons, I mean, Bright's Head Revisited, I, I don't know if he won an Emmy for that or not. And he does audio books and he's got a beautiful voice and he's very Mm -hmm. talented. And sometimes he would knock out stupid movies like the first Dungeons and Dragons movie. But it was like the movie's terrible, but he's great in it because you can see him chewing the scenery. But but, uh, 
I like this Lolita, and I I gave it three stars. So, but yeah, I mean Jeremy Irons, he's he's fantastic, and I'm yeah looking at all His filmography the movie, is all over the place. It's amazing. It's it's just everything. But Pink Panther too. I didn't even know he was in that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't even remember Pink Panther two. Reversal of Fortune. That's the one he did. Glenn Close played Sonny Von Bulow, who went into a coma, and he was put on trial for attempted murder. Because they felt he was the one he had been giving her drugs to bring on the coma. And uh, he was acquitted. It's very so like the whole case is just like it's something that Hollywood, you would think Hollywood would have just created out of whole cloth, but it was a true story. And mm-hmm. I remembered when it was happening. Me and my mom followed the case real closely. Yeah. So uh, Brian, I, I mean, Peter Sellers was, he, he had so much talent. Yes, Justin, I just saw, yeah, he was Scar. I loved him as Scar. Uh, and that was the highlight of Lion King for me. It's just like, Frack Simba, whatever, you know, give me more Scar. Scar was the star, you know. Uh, Brian, oh, uh, Kubrick's uh, that was Lolita. The best part of any of Lion King. Uh, Kubrick's Lolita. Was- it, it was it was okay. It 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 was okay. Um, I'm not a big James Mason fan. I like Jeremy Irons' take on Humbert more. Um, Sue Lyons was okay. I always thought she was very talented. The young girl, I can't think of her name, that plays Lolita in the new version. Uh, I did like her, and I think she kind of captured more of what Lolita was. But remember, the Lolita that we are watching is from Humbert's point of view. We never actually hear Lolita's point of view in the whole story because it is in first person. So hope that answered that. Peter Sellers was good in the old Lolita, but I think Kubrick was kind of in love with the quilt quilty character. And sometimes that throws all the other characters just like kind of off to the side a little bit. It's like, Hope that answered that. Uh, let's see. The other three star movies I saw, I watched. Um, this was a suggestion from Sharon. I had heard of the movie. I hadn't seen it. It's a romantic comedy called I Married a Witch. And it's uh, Veronica Lake and Frederick March and Cecil Kellaway. And it's about a witch and her father who get burned at the stake years and years and years ago. And so they place a curse on the guy that like accused them of being a witch. They put a curse on his family and say, uh, you will never, no one, none of your descendants will ever have a happy relationship. And so we fast forward to modern times, which would be in the forties and Frederick March is the descendant of this guy. And he's getting ready to marry Susan Hayward. And you can already tell they're going to have a terrible marriage. You know, she's going to be the one wearing the pants in the family. And through a little bit of magic or whatever, uh, Veronica Lake and Cecil Kellaway is her dad. They come back and they're going to raise havoc. And Veronica Lake's character accidentally drinks this love potion and then she falls in love with Frederick March and now she's trying to do anything she can to protect him. So is this a fun, silly, light comedy? I think this is probably what they use to uh, develop Bewitched 
where the mm. mortal is marrying uh, a witch and it okay. is aware of it. And it was just, it was fun. It was a nice way to spend Halloween, you know, not something really, I did watch a darker movie, but it, this was just, you know, silly fun. Yeah. And actually the director, uh, Rene Claire, his birthday would have been yesterday because we celebrated it. Uh, I was kind of surprised when I saw I Married a Witch popped up and I was like, oh, I just saw that. <laughs> um, the other, let's see, other three stars, uh, the original Phantom of the Opera uh, with Lon Chaney. That was one of our watch party movies. And it and the Golem tied. So we went ahead and you know, watched both of them. And this movie has a very interesting history that where Kathleen Kennedy would be going, see, I'm not the only one who has screwed up when it comes to movie making, but the this movie was pretty much made three times before it was officially released. Oh, wow. Um, nobody liked the director. Rupert Julian, I I knew of him. A lot of times he was brought in to finish up movies if a director got fired. The most famous one was Merry Go Round. Eric von Stroheim was out of control spending money again. Von Stroheim was fired. They brought Rupert Julian in. You can tell the difference between both the directors. But Julian was brought in on the project. Nobody liked him. Lon Chaney pretty much just said, yeah, I'm playing this the way I want to. (laughs) The director director is an idiot. And the first version that was released to a I guess a test audience, Mm -hmm. they didn't particularly care for it. Somebody wrote on one of the comment cards, you need to add more gags to this movie. It's too serious. So they went back, did reshoots, recut it, new director. I think Rupert Julian was kind of like, I'm too good for the studio anyway, so I'm, I'm gone. And so they did a second one that was more of a comedy the test audience in San Francisco almost went into a riot. They were throwing things at the screen. They were booing. They were like, this is terrible. So now Universal is like, okay, what do we do? They did a third shoot. They mainly used Rupert Julian's original uh, material, which is what we're going to be, what we would see in this movie. And there were some additional scenes the only scene that's left over from the comedy version is the final scene mm. with the phantom down by the when he's on the Paris pier with the and the mob has chased him there. Mm. So that's it. Uh, the critics at the time they loved Lon Chaney, of course. They loved the sets. Uh, the rest of the acting is kind of creaky. I've never been a fan of uh, Norman Carey. It's like, I'll see him in some movies. I'll like him in, I'll see him in some movies and I'm like, he's, he's not good. Uh, Kind of a good looking guy, but you know, that was it. Uh, The sets, the Paris Opera House sets stayed on a universal soundstage until 2014. Uh, They demolished the soundstage for, um, another ride at universal. Oh, wow. And, but the allegedly and all film bus, we've got our fingers crossed. The 
opera set itself has been preserved. That's what mm-hmm. we keep hearing. Supposedly the soundstage was haunted by Lon Chaney. People said they saw a figure in locations where you shouldn't be seeing another person. Mm-hmm. Uh, several people said when they saw it, they knew it was his ghost. So he may have haunted the soundstage. The movie just has a really interesting history of Carl Lambley, who was the head of Universal at the time. He was in Paris with his family on vacation. And he ran into the author of The Phantom of the Opera, the, the, the original novel. And they started talking and the author was like, oh, well, you here's a copy of my book if you haven't read it. And Lambley read the book in one night and got the rights to the book the next day because he was just like, yeah, this is going to be a hit and we're going to put Lon Chaney in it. So there have been several remakes uh, since then. Uh, Claude Rains did one in the early 40s. Uh, Herbert Lom did one, I think, in the early 60s. I'm not a big fan of those because they concentrate too much on Christine and all these secondary characters. It's like, yeah, I want more of the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And in the Cheney version, Eric the Phantom was born this way. Whereas in the other versions, it's like, oh, I composed this opera and you stole it from me and I'm going to destroy it. Oh, no, I've got acid in my face. So, you know, that. And I think that the musical goes back uh, to the source material Mm -hmm. more. So anyway, uh, I was just looking at some of the comments. Um, uh, Yeah, Brian, yeah, you're right. Kathleen Kennedy doesn't know when she's pumping out something bad. I mean, if they had shown The Last Jedi and people have been throwing stuff at the screen, she would have taken that as, oh, they love it. That's why they're booing and throwing stuff. They want more. (laughs) They want more. And... um, so let's see. So Fam of the Opera. I was trying to think, was there anything else? I know we talked about we talked about Lon Chaney. Uh, Dark Corners Reviews, which does these great mini documentaries. They did one on Lon Chaney. I think it's called uh, He Shall Never Die. And they go all the way back into his uh, career as a vaudevillian and um, all the way up into his death. He died way too young. Um uh, I think lung cancer, uh, a lot of the makeup he wore, he was breathing it and that wasn't mm-hmm. healthy. And then he smoked and I believe he was 46 when he died. Oh my goodness. So very young. Um, and he was universal had intended him for play to play Dracula in the original. And of course, then when he died, they ended up with Bella Lugosi, which I think is a great choice, but it would have been interesting seeing Cheney's take on that. Yeah. So the original, um, what was second? Oh, the print of Phantom that we see now is not what would have been seen by the audience at the time. The original version was on nitrate, and that was melted down for the silver. Oh, yeah. So yeah. the version we essentially are seeing is called the George Eastman House version. They believe a lot of the shots in it are, I guess they call them B camera shots. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, Joey, I think that's it. The thou- uh, 
I think that's it. The Thousand Faces of Lon Chaney, He Shall Not Die. If you go to Dark Corners Reviews, just look up the mini documentary. They did a wonderful one on Bela Lugosi, too. I'm waiting for them to do one on Karloff. But, yeah, Phantoms just had, it's had a, it's just had one of those histories almost from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw Phantom, um, Marjorie Morning, Morningstar, it's just kind of a soap opera-ish story. I, this is one, one of the only movies I've ever seen Gene Kelly play a dramatic role. Mm-hmm. He dances and sings a little bit, but that's as part of his character. And it's just a coming of age story about a young, a young Jewish girl and her kind of striking out into the world. And from reading what they were saying on Wikipedia, the movie is actually better than the book. Um, I guess that was because at the end of the book, the character kind of settles into this, oh, well, I'm just going to be a Jewish wife and mother now. And it's such a huge departure. If anybody, I guess, was reading the book, they would have went, oh, I couldn't see her doing that. Whereas the movie has a more upbeat and to me a kind of more realistic ending. But anyway, uh, it's Natalie Wood, Gene Kelly, I think Ed Wynn plays her uncle it was just kind of a it was just a fun way to spend an evening and it's free on youtube so that was one reason why i looked at it so nice. um my other three-star movie i did finally get to see everything everywhere all at once yeah fun name huh <sighs> that is it's a mad 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 world yeah um i have i overall i liked it but i think my brain was getting overwhelmed by all these multiverses. And I think I'm just flat out sick of this whole multiverse Mm. thing. It doesn't matter whether it was that take or what Marvel's doing or what DC is doing, whatever. I think I'm just, I'm just kind of tired of it there. Now, Michelle Yao, I thought she was fantastic. I was looking real hard at her husband. I didn't even realize it was her husband at first. And I was like, oh, yeah, you could tell that was short round at one time. And I liked him. I didn't even know that was Jamie Lee Curtis until the closing credits. Mm. That was playing the IRS agent. Um, Okay, Brian is saying there's original version of Phantom and the Hampton Prince. I've never heard of the Hampton Prince. I'm going to have to find out about that. But thank you. Um. I I don't know. There were some things that were frustrating me. Her the her the daughter I felt was a selfish little heifer. Mm. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know you want your mother to understand that you're gay, but did she not see that her mother was having some major issues? It's like mm-hmm. you're being audited by the IRS and all you can harp on is, Mom, you need to tell granddad I'm gay. I mean, yeah. really? Oh, uh, so the daughter was like, I almost hope, well, I won't give away the end, but I kind of wish the end had been different, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, Laura, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was really good. Like I said, I didn't even know it was her. I didn't even catch her voice. She had just completely, everything was so different, but 
I don't think I would ever watch this movie again. Like I said, mm. it, it was okay, but I just, I don't know. And, and I was in a good mood. I want really, really wanted to see it. And okay, so Laura, yeah, Laura's right. Yeah. Gen Z, yeah, they're so self-absorbed. And that was getting on my nerves. It was like, I understand what the daughter wants her to do, but it's like, can we wait? <laughs> you know, and t- we'll talk about this another time. Um, it's one of those things where it's like it's frustrating and it, and it's like they wrote it I think to be that frustrating right yes, because that yes. is but at the same time it's like but I'm still actually feeling the frustration and so it's like it's like I know that it's I'm supposed to be frustrated but I don't want to be frustrated I don't so, want to be, oh yeah. my gosh so that was the one thing so I mean overall I thought it was a very clever movie but it's the better multiverse movie i can say it's the better multiverse yeah i was (laughs) like well if i'm gonna sit through one i'd rather sit through this than wandavision 2.0 so um my three and a half star movies um i looked i saw the outfit yes 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 i really really liked it isn't the beginning like very therapeutic when you're listening to his voiceover (sighs) very much so and i'm like I am settling in for a, a, a dramatic, intelligent movie with intelligent people having intelligent conversations. <laughs> and I just, I, I gave it three and a half stars. I think it, it you know, it kind of slowed down a little bit in parts, but this is a movie I would rewatch. And there were little things in it that I was like, Hmm. I wonder if, and I'm not going to say, because I mm-hmm. recommend that you see it, mm-hmm. but uh, I was like, hmm, I wonder. It's very and clever. It, it's very clever. And if you like the usual suspects, that's one movie I can think that kind of comes close. I would say mm-hmm. watch the outfit. But the actor, I... Mark I Rylance. Mark Rylance. I don't know if I've ever seen him before. Did you see Bridge of Spies? No, I re- I read about it. Yeah, because that was a really good film. He was a, that's the one I think he won an Oscar for. Um, yes, he was great in that. He is primarily stage actor because I actually oh. I got to see him. I forgot what show I saw him in, but I the first time I actually ever saw anything with him was was actually him on Broadway, um, and he was phenomenal in in the role. Um, and then I saw him in Bridge of Spies and was like, oh, wait, I, I know this guy. This guy was in yeah. the Broadway show. And, and now yeah. he's, yeah, he's great. I love him. Oh, Lars said he did Wolf Hall. Okay. Did he, oh, that's where I know him from. I didn't see it, Laura. I know of the book. I'm kind of, you know me in historical stuff. And I'm kind of iffy about the approach Hillary Mantel took to her book. So... I never really had an interest in watching the, um, the the miniseries or the movie, but knowing that he played, I'm sure he played Thomas Cromwell. So if that's the case, I might be willing to check it out because he's very good. Yeah. All right. So I, I really enjoyed it. I did. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give any spoilers. Yeah. I'll just say it's about a tailor who came to America and he has a shop and a lot of the work he does are for gangsters. And mm-hmm. it just kind of go, goes from there. Miss Minnesota hockey fan said he was in Dunkirk and yeah, he was. And I, uh, hmm, yeah. Minnesota, I'm just going to say that 
I saw parts of Dunkirk when I was on my 15 day Panama Canal cruise. And I think I saw the beginning and the middle and never saw the end. And I was seeing bits and pieces. So I'm putting it all together in my brain. So. Oh yeah. I mean, cause that it's, it's a movie where you can't do that with it. Cause it's like, yes. if you don't, cause even watching it all together, it still didn't. I, I have issues with Dunkirk. I, it's yeah, not a terrible I, movie. It's just also not a, I, I can't officially say that I ever saw it just bits. And I, I don't count that as, Oh, I, yeah, I saw the whole movie. Yeah. So no, I can't do that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I highly recommend the outfit. Uh, the other movie, this one's free on YouTube. Now it's called uh, Pandora and the flying Dutchman. I saw it. I'll tell you how long ago it was. It was when Netflix still had disc. Oh my that, goodness. That was the last time I saw it. And I remembered watching it twice before I sent it back. But if you know the Flying Dutchman story, it's about a cursed uh, sea captain and his crew. And it's like every few years he's allowed to come on shore and he's trying to find the woman who will sacrifice herself for him so that his soul will finally be released. And that's basically what the story is about he this mysterious dutchman shows up in this i think they are in some coastal town in i think spain i believe and ava gardner plays this young woman named pandora and it's like men will literally die for her one one he was like he couldn't get her so he ended up self-deleting himself Mm. and she just has this sort of frivolous thoughtless life And then she meets the James Mason character. She has no idea that he is the Flying Dutchman. And it's not like he pressures these women in any way. It's like they have to just come to that realization, would I give my life for this person? And so that's basically what the movie's about. I think it's a tad... Uh, I think it's a tad long. They could have cut maybe 15 or 20 minutes from it. Wouldn't have been missed. There's kind of a bookend with this historian that looking back on it, I don't think we really needed it. I think they could have just told the story and, you know, just been done with it. But yeah, it was nice seeing it again. After all love, these years. I love the ta- tagline. The loves of Pandora and flaming Technicolor. Oh my god, well the Technicolor looked fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it really it really did. Yeah. So I yeah, I will say I will say that. And let's see. Okay, my four star movies. Um I watched well, I already mentioned I, I married a witch on Halloween and I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a chance. I've heard about this movie for years, and I had never looked at it, but I decided to watch Onibaba, which is a 19, early 1960s Japanese horror movie. Oh, that's creepy. It really wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. It was more the psychological stuff. Yeah. And it's about these two women. It's... um older woman and her daughter-in-law and the older woman's son has gone off to war with another guy. And then the other guy show comes back and he's like, Oh, after he's eaten like three bowls of rice, then he says, Oh yeah, your son died. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, thanks. And he and 
the woman's daughter-in-law start having this really, really, really hot affair. And the mother-in-law, I think she's jealous, but she ends up through some circumstances, gets this mask that you see her wearing there in the picture. But she and the daughter-in-law were killing samurai that would end up like they would come on their property. They'd be battling or whatever, maybe looking for food or something. And she and the daughter-in-law would murder them, take the belongings because that's money, and then dump the bodies down into this pit. So it's not like they were totally innocent, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a very intense movie. And it's con- I want to say it's constantly moving because where this farm, I guess, that the two women are living on and they're in this hut. It's like all this tall grass, very, very tall grass, like, you know, five or six feet. And it's constantly blowing. Mm-hmm. And the water is constantly moving. These people are always on the move. And I was like, well, I really, really liked it. It was just, it's, I don't think it's horror the way we normally think of horror. I think, yeah, Joey was saying, yeah, Japanese do creepy horror films. Yeah, and this is like one of their earliest. And this is considered a classic. And I see why. The two creepiest things to me in the movie, being typical Tina, you see a dog on the property and the two women are running after it. And then in the next scene, they're chowing down on roasted meat. No. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know they're starving, but oh, okay. Yeah. That grossed me out. And then when the younger woman and the neighbor that came back from the war in the middle of their hot affair and the grass is blowing and, I'm looking at the screen and I was like, oh, look, they're both naked. Oh, look, I've seen more of him than I need to see. So, <laughs> so that, yeah, back to, I was like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, it's but, 1960s uh, Japanese yeah, cinema. So. <laughs> Japanese cinema. So I highly recommend it. If you have HBO Max, uh, you're already paying a subscription. It's free on there. That's how I saw it. So, oh, Criterion Channel uh, yes. has it too. Yeah, I think the version HBO Max is showing is the Criterion print. Okay. So it look and it's a beautiful looking black and white movie mm-hmm. too. So so anyway, yeah. So and the last movie I saw was as Luca mentioned, um, and Mr. Roy was there too, uh, the Goldman. And it was made in 1920, and I'm going to thank. Uh, Dark Corners Reviews, yet again. This is considered part of the first horror franchise. This is one movie, actually it's the middle movie of a trilogy, but the other two movies no longer exist. Mm. But they know they were made. Um, The first one was called The Golem. I think it was made in 1950. And I saw they had 1915 on here, but I, I think they meant 1920. Because the 1915 version, there's only like 10 minutes left. It's very fragmented. So you can't judge it, you know, on that. The third movie, well, I'll go back to this one real quick. The second movie is the prequel to the first. Okay. The third movie was a sequel called The Golem and the Dancing Girl. 
I think there are only set photographs that they took. Okay. But there's no there's no movie. Uh, so yeah. Every time Hollywood these days says we did the first, it's like nope, somebody already did it before you. Sorry, <laughs> nope. So it, uh, the director Paul Wegner plays the golem, and it's set in 16th century Prague, where there would have been a lot of persecution of the Jews. The Jews are all living in the Jewish quarter or ghetto. And the emperor or the king has decided that uh, he sends out a proclamation that announces, yes, you people murdered Christ and I want you out of Prague. You've got this amount of time. So the rabbi who is based on a real person, Rabbi Lowe, uh, creates this golem to as their protector. Now, Stephanie brought it up in our chat. She said, yeah, I'd be sending this golem out on errands that I don't want to do. Go go grocery (laughs) shopping for me, golem. He basically, when we first see him, when he comes to life, he's chopping wood and then he goes to the grocery store. So it's like this very mundane thing. So it was really funny that Stephanie brought that up because she had never seen the movie before. Um. But the emperor or king, whoever it was, he asked the rabbi. They know the rabbi is also uh, a magician. So they ask him to come to the palace or the castle uh, to perform magic. And Yeah, Luca. Yeah, Golem, the errand boy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, so he takes the golem with him, which really fascinates the court because it's like, oh, he made this from mud. And... As always happens, we learned it from Frankenstein. We've learned it from all this stuff. You create this stuff, it's going to backfire at -hmm. some point because these creatures are going to end up taking on a a sentient nature after a while, and that's what happens with this one. And they believe the golem was the inspiration for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So, of course, the Frankenstein movies we saw in the future. Yeah, Brian, the third one was a romantic comedy. And it's supposed to be more about a guy who dresses up as a golem to get the girl he loves. I don't know how that, I don't know how they were going to do that, but there you go. So yeah. the film everyone was asking for. <laughs> everyone was asking. You know for. what I really want to see? I want to see the. I want to see this golem in a rom rom com. That's what I want to see. Yeah, yeah, there exactly. So, uh, yeah, the 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 one we see or the one we saw last night, it's not horror as in oh my gosh, oh he's going on a killing spree every five minutes. Someone's getting a machete in the gut. Yeah, it's not that kind of horror. But it's the tension, just like in the original Frankenstein with Karloff, it's just that tension of where is this creature going to go and why were you dabbling in this stuff to begin with? For Dr. Frankenstein, it's you are trying to be God by bringing back cadavers. With the golem, yeah, the rabbi has a good intention, but then it goes haywire, you know. So, yeah, it's it, it's it's an interesting movie. I I really liked it. I hadn't seen it in a while. I am so glad that the the chat 
like I said, it tied with Phantom of the Opera for, I believe, fourth place. And uh, so we did Phantom of the Opera, and then we did, uh, I said, would you all want to see the Golem since it uh, tied? And people were like, yeah. So we watched it, too. Uh, Andrew, yeah, it's made of clay. And the um, the rabbi had to call forth. This is where it's so. It's like you're getting these mixed things. The rabbi had to call forth a type of demon to get the word that would bring life to the golem. Mm. So it's like, okay, you're a rabbi, but you're practicing occultism. And, but that that's what makes it so much more interesting too. Exactly. Exactly. That's what happens when when you try to play God, right? When yes, you try to Exactly. You know, basically what you've done is you've you are trying to corrupt the natural order and yes. through the corruption of the natural order you then find a corrupt creature and then it ultimately will come back to you. It's also very similar to the yeah. discussion we we're having earlier, right? About Tolkien, right? Cause that's yes. what he deals with as well, right? The corrupt yes. um, creatures that, that come from the, or the, the black uh, uh, Numenorians, right? Exactly. And no, I'm not triggered Luca. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, this is uh, Mary Shelley may have heard this tale at some point and kind of, that was her starting point. Uh, the design of the golem is kind of s- similar to the one that, uh, to the Frankenstein monster in James Whale's, you know, original movie. So, yeah, it's always one of those, oh, hunky chunky, thank you. No, we'll be passing on that one. No. No. <laughs> I, I never think about that movie until somebody brings it up and it was like, oh, yeah, that's a movie I saw. Moving on. Let's be honest. He's really good at finding whatever's going to make you cringe and trolly. Yeah. And, and Joey said Frankenstein is one of the most overrated books ever. I read Frankenstein a few years ago. Well, listen to the audiobook. I have never screamed, get on with it, as much as I did with that book. It's I'm like, oh, it as a kid. It's like, Doctor Frank, and he's not even a doctor, and he's just some stupid student that decides, "Oh, I want to bring back the dead." Oh my gosh, that thing is so horrible looking. Let me leave my room. I don't get the obsession with it. She is a horrible writer. She is boring. She's mundane. She's like the worst of old and new literature in one. I mean, it was just I, and I just finished Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula is much better, even though you're getting diary entries and letters and newspaper accounts. It still felt more cohesive. I just hated that Frankenstein is just like, oh, let me tell my story. I was born in and blah, 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 50 pages later. The monster shows up and says, yes, well, let me tell you my version. A hundred pages later, Frankenstein. I'm like, get on with it. I just want this over. Oh my gosh, Brian! Yeah, I know the, of the, Curse of Frankenstein. I've never seen it. That's one of the ha- first Hammer movies. I've never seen that one. There is an off-Broadway version of Frankenstein. Oh gosh, I liked it actually. It's based off of the it's based off the Mary Shelley version. It was out around the same time that the Broadway version of Young Frankenstein was was out. Oh, okay. I, I, I did not like the Broadway rendition of Young Frankenstein. I was like, nah, the movie's so much better. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. But Frankenstein the Musical, off-Broadway, it was starring 
Hunter Foster, who is the brother of Sutton mm-hmm. Foster. Sutton Foster is mm-hmm. like like Miss Broadway, basically, in today's Broadway world. Um, oh, okay. But it was very good. It was um, the music beautiful for it. I, the production was okay. The music, though, is great. There's some really... It tells you the story. Let's just say that the story is much more interesting with the music versus what you have in the actual book itself. Okay. Well, it would have to be. Yes. Music I, makes just, the... That's just, I mean, I told our book club that was one of the worst classics I had ever seen. And I just am thankful that somebody at Universal in 1930 or 31 said, yeah, we can make a good movie of this, but we can't just have people sitting around talking <laughs> all the time. And the version we see, as far as the Karloff version, James Wells directing, and of course, Bride of Frankenstein, which I consider one of the greatest sequels ever made, I would I would choose those a million times before I would ever go back and read Frankenstein again. Dracula, I'll reread it. Or I'll mm-hmm. listen to it again in the future, but no. But the Golem, yeah, I'm glad everybody uh, had a good time. And see, Joey said, I think the reason I don't like it is that I read it as an adult and Mary couldn't write adult men at all. Yeah, she was 16. And remember, it was part of a competition. It was, they were all supposed to think of scary stories. It was uh, her, uh, Dr. Oh my gosh. Uh, I want to say Pretorius, but no, that was in Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, But someone that had a similar name, he wrote one of the first vampire stories. Mm. And then there was Percy Shelley, and Mary was not married to him at the time. He was married to someone else. Everybody seems to forget that. And uh, Lord Byron, who had a very scandalous life. But anyway, uh, so there was a competition who can write the best horror story? And I think everybody kind of moved away from it, except this doctor that was there. And of course, Mary, and we ended up with, uh, we ended up with Frankenstein, but no, I'm like Miss Minnesota hockey fan. Once, once was enough. And I, I'm very happy to read Dracula again, but no, I'll never, ever pick up Frankenstein again, but I, I can see where everyone got in by the the say recent Golem movie. I saw Dark Corners Reviews did a review of it. It either came out this year or last year, but it's been updated more to, I think, 19th century or early 20th century. And that Golem is a child. But this is the same concept that this child this golem i keep i don't want to call it a child but it's in a child's form goes off on a killing spree because it's out of control that's what happens when we try to tamper with stuff like that Mm -hmm. so uh so that that was it i'm glad that everybody enjoyed um uh phantom of the opera and the golem and we also did uh Pit in the Pendulum with Vincent Price, one of his collaborations with Roger Corman. Uh, we did The Raven. And what was the other one? Oh, I can't remember what the other one was. We did another. But anyway, everybody seemed to have a blast. And it was the first time many people had seen these movies. So that was a great was it the Was it The Mummy and Bride of Frankenstein double feature? No. Oh, that Nosferatu? was. Nosferatu? Nosferatu. That's okay. it. Yeah, that's it. So another one with her, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shouldn't even 
we shouldn't even have a copy of it. But thanks yeah. to they, over here in the United States, uh, we had our prints, and it's like that's the reason why we have it now. Wow. So uh, yeah, I, it was a fun October having the watch party. So uh, we'll do it again. We'll do it again next year. See what movies we come up with. And do y'all think um, y'all might do something for for December for Christmas? I don't know about Christmas because I think Steph and I are only doing one show. Okay. Because by the time, yeah, by the time I come back from my cruise and we're taking off all of Christmas Christmas weekend, Mm -hmm. so we're only going to have that one show. I think in December. Okay. Uh, And then we'll try to pick it back up. I I don't think Soul came into the chat, but we will try to do uh, Phantom Carriage because I've never seen it, Mm -hmm. and then we'll hopefully do uh, Metropolis in December, um, in January at some point. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's it for my, yeah, I think it's it for a movie. So go watch Anibaba. (laughs) (laughs) I think think you'll enjoy it. It I do like psychological thrillers more, so I'm glad to hear that it's more about it. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So yeah, I would recommend it. Watch the golem. Um, yeah. I was trying to see, and if you haven't seen the outfit, definitely watch it. Oh yeah, for sure. So, a shout out to again to Laura for sending me a copy of the outfit to see because yeah, it's it's a very very well done film, and you don't get a lot of those in today's Hollywood. No, I I have no. There's nothing at the movies right now that I, I would go I would go to see. So yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done for the, I'm done for the year. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, I, uh, I do. Well, I know Tina. Yeah. I know you and I know father Luca. We're also, um, we're, we're on a bit of a time. So I'll, I'll go ahead and let y'all give y'all's last shout outs, but I did want to mention. So, uh, father Luca did find the letter. So it's, it's letter 210. Oh. So for anyone interested, letter 210 of Tolkien is okay. the one. Where he writes it to uh, to the writes in response to the script by Morton Grady Zimmerman, um, and uh, I was reading some of the the footnotes here that they mention. Um, it says fireworks and Gandalf. They were both they were flags and hobbits included in the fireworks, and Gandalf was to be spluttering. Tolkien disapproved of both. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, I know that Simon Tolkien, the grandson, he's Christopher's son. He said that he felt that Peter Jackson was too faithful to his grandfather. So, mm. yeah, uh, I, Simon does Simon not. Tolkien, yeah. He's, yeah, he sounds like an absolutely horrible individual. He's a full Yeah. I've mm. read his comments on things. He's a full, hardcore SJW who literally hates the legacy of his grandfather and father. Well, and he can't write. They said that's one thing. They think it's a lot of jealousy that he, mm. he was never a good writer, but he published these books and nobody read them. But no, I was going to, uh, and Luca, while you're here, uh, I, I talked to my sister the other, other day. We hadn't talked in a while. We talked for four hours and I found out that my niece is a hardcore Tolkien fan. So I gave her a copy of the Cimmerillion for her birthday in December. So it's already arrived. So uh, looking forward to hearing her opinion on it. But my sister said, yeah, she's got all her little, all her Tolkien books and everything. She's got them just perfectly lined up on her shelf, like according to publication date. And uh, my sister didn't know a whole lot about Rings of Power. 
And so when she mentioned to my niece, she said, well, I saw Amazon's doing something. And she said, my niece replied, yeah, I saw the trailers. It doesn't look very Tolkienian. Boom. This is coming from a, yeah, this is coming from what, a millennial, a Gen Z, you know. If she's she's a minor, she'd be Zoomer. Millennials are my generation. That's people in their early 40s to early 20s now. I'm unfortunately I'm unfortunately yeah in the millennial oh millennial yeah, yeah I know my nephew said one time it, these people made him ashamed to be one and so yeah. anyway well, that's why I prefer the gen was it gen y is what we're technically mm, don't know that because it's the same yeah well so well yeah because it's called millennial everyone calls it millennial um, oh, I'm pretty sure okay. millennial I'm pretty sure millennial and J, gen, gen y are the same Yes. Okay. Yeah. And Andrew Graham said he's a Gen X. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm unfortunately a baby boomer. So <laughs> I'm at the tail, I'm at the tail end of that generation. So, but yeah, I was very proud to hear that my niece decided not to watch Rings of Power. And <laughs> I did see, I found a new YouTuber. I found so many YouTubers thanks to Rings of Power, but I found a new one last night who did a video that, announced that Galadriel was an envoy of Satan. So I don't know if anyone has warned Satan that she is, but I watched the video and it was like, oh my gosh, I really hope Sauron wins. <laughs> this is this is just sad, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Um, all righty. Well, but yeah, any any uh, last, so I'll go ahead and uh, for, for Tina and for, for Father Luca. So Tina, any last things you want to say before you head out? Uh, just, uh, thanks to everyone who has been supporting Soup to Nuts. I know we get a lot of views after our shows, but, uh, thank you all very much for supporting, uh, me and Steph and, uh, to people that have been showing up weekly, great appreciation for, you know, giving us the support. And, uh, just, if you come to my channel if you you'll see tina bb just come there and you'll see soup to nuts and you can sub there or play back uh some of our past videos so thanks again absolutely and thank you for being here and then also to father luca anything you want to say before you head out well thanks for having me here <laughs> of course, and it was really nice talking to you guys and listening to so Looking at the drawings by Rosetta and listening to Mr. Roy and Tina B. 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 So that's why I just short. That's why I just shortened it to 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 B. Just the letter B. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. B. Like the BB gun. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, don't mess with her. I mean... <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> I was just gonna Go. say I love people who always have BB guns as being such uh, mild and not really real weapons. It's like you realize most of them, as long as they're hand pumped, you can pump them up to full gun pressure. And really, it's not actually I, fake thing. I I've seen <laughs> don't BB tell guns. the government. I've seen <laughs> BB guns do some major damage. Just saying. Don't tell them. They're going to go after those next. They already are. <laughs> Isn't okay, that we, still, the, the... we still have self-loading rapid-fire crossbows, by the way, that you can get. Um, just saying. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Y'all are, are going to get us all in trouble now. Now we're on a watch list. Oh, wait, Father, Father, you had a question? 
I want to say as the president, say AK-15 or <laughs> as the president Biden says, as an AK-15. Oh, yeah, an AK. <laughs> an AK, what did he call it? AR-47 and AK-15. <laughs> Oh God! Oh God! Well, I can imagine him saying that. I'm not sure if he said it, but I, I remember as he must. Oh, saying come on, man! Like give him time. Give him. Give him oh, time. Come on. Remember, man. he had a son who died in Iraq. Oh, that's just the. Oh, and the, and that I, the bunny just needs to just take him on off stage. Oh God! Yeah. Go. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, Tina and Faluka, thank y'all both for for being on with us today, and I'll let, y'all, I'll let y'all head out. I will you'll have a great weekend. Bye, oh, Father. You too. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 Pray for us, Father, please. <laughs> of course. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mr. Roy and Rosetta, y'all doing okay? Yep. All right. Awesome. Good to hear. By the way, chat, thank y'all very much for uh, for being here with us today. We, we're going to, of course, go to Rosetta uh, to see what she has been. Obviously, you can see part of what she's been up to <laughs> as she's been working on it on stream. Guys, how many of these beautiful. have I done on this stream so far? Um, oh, beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, Just a little but... work, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah uh shout out to so john uh kotarski who's hanging out on odyssey now so thank you for being over there and also kinkane rumski has been hanging out also and one of the questions that um he was just like how do you know everyone so i just wanted to clarify for those that maybe have not been in the stream before so the chosen valhalla stream these are uh, members of the channel so people who support on patreon subscribe star um who are at the level called the chosen of valhalla level and so once a month we do a stream and anything that they want to talk about is, is fair game. And so my attention uh, is, is, is on them. I try to keep up with the chat when I can and respond in the chat when I can. Um, but this is, this, is, this is about them. So we'll go ahead with that in mind and mm-hmm. move to Rosetta. So Rosetta, what you been up to? Well, you know, because Halloween season, so there's the normal stuff I do every year, you know. Clue, Arsenic Gold Lace, Young nice. Frankenstein, High Anxiety, all those. Basically just rewatching the stuff that I think is actually good that's in the like spoofing comedy versions of horrors and stuff. <laughs> this is where I dip usually. <laughs> yeah. Well, well Hunky Chunky, of course, is gonna drop a super chat right at this moment saying, Did I did I uh did I thank you for doing that the thing? Thank you. I'm surprised he dropped a super chat when I'm talking and he didn't make sure it was about making fun of eagles. <laughs> nope, just just the president. You're slacking, you're slacking, hunky. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure he's working on one now. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great films movie. though. Um yeah, we were talking about Frankenstein earlier. Young Frankenstein the movie, it's just so so classic. Well, mm-hmm. look at the actors in it and stuff. People who really were good at their craft and I go into looking at Gene Wilder here recently, and I actually go into this partly because of what came out the other day about who passed away, because there's some people who, they're so about what they do, what they are, what their craft, that they don't tell people how sick they really are until they pass, because they don't want people to think about that. They want people to enjoy the work. They want people to be involved with it. And Wilder was that way. He hid his issues until after he passed because he didn't want the kids to think of Wonka that way, literally. 
And that was his, the statement he made to his own family about it. And the, yesterday they announced and stuff that, you know, we lost Conroy, we lost Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And Gallagher never talked about being sick, but you find out why he died from it. It was organ failure from heart and nerve conditions for years and stuff. And he never talked about that stuff. He never let on to it. And that's, I think, where we need to realize that some of these people, they really believe in what they're doing as an art. Whether you personally like them or not, there's an honor to that. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that I think was so telling going through the news the other day and thinking about the stuff I rewatch in this season of the year, because there's always a lot of stuff with Wilder because he did a lot of the comedy stuff I like that's more twisted. So it, it just kind of made me think about both of them together. Mm-hmm. the greats because yeah. look at robin williams how long did he have severe parkinson's nerve issues other stuff that's ultimately what drove him nuts to kill him nobody mm-hmm. knew half of his conditions or what he was going through till after he died because that's it wasn't something about that. yeah and that's something that's just so incredibly uh rare you know, it, it's just something that doesn't happen often, you know, and that's why I'm so sad by the new film Wakanda Forever, because it does feature, right, Chadwick Boseman, who did that, right? He was suffering and no one knew because he was like, mm-hmm. it's not about me. And and that's why it's sad because they could have, I think, really done something nice to do like a really like actual tribute versus what they did, which is almost, you know, use him as a you know, as a promotional material, like, cause there's times when you can tell that they're giving like actual praise or, or actual, you know, reverence to somebody. And then the, you can tell when they're trying to use it for, for money, basically. It's the people who don't make it about what they're going through. How many people in that era actually realized how much Darren was going through in Bewitched during those seasons before they changed them? How mm-hmm. sick he actually was, how much he was getting ill from the set lights, the seizures he had on set, all that stuff. How many people actually knew anything about that? Nobody. Yeah. Unless they were actually there because he didn't make it a big deal. And yeah, Robert Williams struggled with mental health for decades. And part of that was his medical, part of that was his past drug use, part of that was the crap he'd been through. And he admitted openly in his stand-up that part of his issues were his own doing for his past actions and stuff he did to his body. He didn't deny that. But I think the fact that he overcame so much and in the end really did become a good family man and there for his family in the end, even if his ex-wife was a psycho gold digger, (laughs) (laughs) it shows that you can overcome this stuff and you don't have to let your demons rule you forever. And that's, I think, where a lot of people need to remember. And yes, it, his ending's tragic, and there's the amount of, well, it's self-imposed, but how much is self-imposed? If you've got a medical condition that damages your brain, and you're actually having hallucinations, is that really you then? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where we all need to kind of debate that a little bit. But I think we need to remember those who are willing to sacrifice of themselves to help others. And to make others happy. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I think it's it's always good to go back to to those um to those films and, and to those uh 
to those actors, right? To, to see the films of those actors, because you not only appreciate the films themselves for their entertainment, but then also because they are so very focused on providing entertainment and not on anything else, you don't have to worry about separating art from the artists as much, you know? And, and that's something where, you know, some uh-huh. people can do it, right? Some people can separate art from the artists and, and some people can't. So that's why it's always great to have someone where you don't have to, right? You don't have to worry about doing that. I I would say I usually can separate art from artists. I think the exception to that would be those where the artist actually literally affected me and my family, good or bad. It's hard to separate that. And I'll use, yeah, we all know my opinion of Costner. And on the flip side of that, my opinion of Kilmer, because when he did Thunderheart and when he did stuff with the tribe, he went on the, lived on the res with them. He did charity work to help them. He did all this stuff to actually learn the culture Let's look at the flip side and the behavior. One who damaged the people he worked with because he treated them like they were basically there to be his lackeys, despite the fact that he was in their home. And one who genuinely did all he could to help the people who were working with them and learn their culture. Massive difference. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with most people, I could separate art from art. With Cosner, if I see anything that he's in, I'm just rooting to watch him die. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm a little twisted. Okay. (sighs) I know. I know. Just say a little prayer for my patience, right? Say a little (laughs) prayer for you. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, there is. We got to just try to be good. I tell people, you know, there's two people events that happened recently were people who were really publicly horrific to people with my kind of medical conditions through the pandemic and stuff and people who actually publicly said horrific and threatening things to me that were public figures passed away mm-hmm. and i had people messaging me about it and i think i surprised them when i said pray for their families yeah and that's tragic and in a lot of ways those of us who are people of faith, we mourn more for those who die like that than for those who were good, those we loved. Because at least with those we share our faith with, those we share our life with, those we know who are good and trying to follow the light, we believe we're going to see them again. Whereas the others, we feel are lost souls. And which one should you mourn? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Somebody who's moved on to eternal bliss or somebody who's lost forever. Yeah. And that's why, you know, month of November for, for Catholics, it's, it's a, it's the, the entire month is dedicated to praying for, uh, for the dead. And a lot of it stems from November 2nd, which is the feast of all souls. And, and so since, you know, over the course of the centuries, it has developed into where the entire month is the time in which we dedicate our, our thoughts, our prayers, going to visit cemeteries as well to offer up prayers. Because, yeah, ultimately, we even even if it's someone that we don't like, even if it's someone that there's been tension with, right, ultimately, we should always have that hope within us that they were able to um, at least to end their life in, in a good and, and grace-filled state, right? That should at least be our hope, whether they did or not. I mean, we can obviously always make guesses, but we should always, you know, hope that they, they because again, we, we want, we, you know, if we are truly going to be good people, right, which is something that, you know, I don't, the modern world seems to shun in so many ways, right, to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to be a good person, then it means that, yeah, praying, 
for those and thinking positively of those, um, especially in death, um, because it's one of the most important times really <laughs> to bring those thoughts to fruition. You well, know? that one just got to me because of how many people were surprised by that response when they messaged me because yeah, one of them that passed away and I could go into details on who, but I don't really want to, cause I don't want to sit there and drag out what they did and stuff before they died. Mm-hmm. I had all kinds of friends messaging me because they witnessed him publicly threatening and saying I should die on Twitter before he died. And I was sitting there going, and I swear that I thought they were all just shocked because I said, that's really tragic. Pray for his family. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that, that's all I could say because we're not supposed to want people to die in their sin like that. Yeah. We're just not. Plus, and, we don't know what their family maybe had to go through because typically yeah. if someone's struggling with something to where they will publicly say something to someone they don't even know, I mean, usually there's other stuff going on, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just that most of us have our struggles in our life, the different levels. We all have some struggles. Some have a lot more than others. But is there really a person out there who can't say we haven't had a moment of dark behavior something we did that was really wrong or something we need to atone for it? No. And so would you want people in your moment of idiocy or stupidity to condemn you or to look down on you forever or to attack when your family's mourning when you died? No, that shouldn't even be a consideration. Yeah, Absolutely. And yes, I know I usually end up being the one that goes all theological because I just don't do a lot of entertainment stuff, <laughs> but that's okay, right? <laughs> well, also, I mean, not that there's a whole lot of stuff out there, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, but um, how are things going with your your projects? So Eagle, Eagle Book, the, the pinups, um, obviously we see you working on these beautiful bookmarks. Working so how are things a bit going? on them. They're kind of... Um, backseated while I work on the stuff for family and stuff. And that includes this stuff since I have to help run a lot of the stuff my family usually would for all the different events. But it's, it's just what it is, is I work on them a bit. They're mostly done. I've got to get them done. But I decided when we lost dad this year that over the next couple of years, projects are going to be around what I have to do for the church and for family. Mm -hmm. Cause they just have to put that first. Yeah. And let's be honest, it's a yearly thing. I make a lot of stuff that gets given out in the inner city every year. So yeah. <laughs> it's usually a couple months of making gifts for everybody. Nice. But so yeah. when do you think um, you might be trying to, to launch those? Any like Specifically, I know the, the major project I know is the Eagle book. I, I, that I'm trying to figure out because I've got the books mostly done to do it. However, the more and more I try to figure out Indiegogo, the more I hate the site. <laughs> it is so convoluted. There's so much crap to figure out and fill out on yeah. every single campaign. It is ridiculous how many pages of weird stuff you have to fill out and do just for each little campaign and stuff. And it most of it doesn't make a lot of sense the way it's worded. And mm-hmm. for most people, they can figure it out. They can sort it out after a bit. But... For me, it really plays on my mental issues, and I end up sitting there staring at it going, I hate this site, I hate this site, I hate this site, I hate this site. What the crap do they want me to say there? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And so I'm thinking I'm probably going to have to find an alternate way to do it, because I'm not 
totally sure after watching for a couple of years if I'm actually a big fan of the crowdsourcing techniques and style mm. anyways. Yeah. Because it is something where it's less control of the people watching usually. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think I'm looking into how to do bulk prints, publishers, or online groups that'll publish it for you when you release it and stuff. Okay. Because I think that's going to be better for both me and for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I know it wasn't too, not too much was brought up, but I know on Friday Night Tights there was some mention of there's been some stuff happening with Indiegogo. Is, is it people getting censored or something to that extent? Both Indiegogo and um, Kickstarter have censored quite a few campaigns. In fact, one of the people I know actually had his campaign censored and pulled down for having <clears throat> World War II imagery, but the comic was literally based in a spinoff of Captain America for fighting that and fighting for good. Oh, and they were okay. still censoring him and pulling him down and canceled his campaign for it. It's like, the crap, you know? Yeah. Oh, my it's goodness. Like, at that point, you start going, what, well, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. You know, especially since, you know, it'd be one thing if, like, if there was, if someone, act, it's like YouTube, right? If someone mm-hmm. actively puts out a copyright claim, right, saying that, you, th- like, they actually filled it, filled out whatever form there is and said, this person is using <laughs> my stuff. Like, if a company actually did that, right? If, mm-hmm. if, if, if someone actually, you know, was taken in, in a company thought and owner of a, of a copyright thought that was going on, right, that to me would make sense as to why, oh, why an Indiegogo or one of these sites would have to take something down, right? Because it's like, well, okay, they're, they are saying that you have it. They are saying that they will, you know, put litigation forward. And so therefore we have to pull your campaign. That makes sense to me. But what they do, like what all these platforms do, especially YouTube is one of the worst at it, is, is that they have one, their, their, their algorithms, which are just broken. And then two, they have their system where anyone can basically make this, make a claim and then they automatically pull it. No one has to prove that they own anything. No one has to bring even a legal document or or even make a claim like an actual, you know, hey, this is exactly what they've taken from me or anything. And and that's what's so broken about that system. Right. Because I doubt in that the example that you just gave, I highly doubt Disney came and said, oh, this campaign is using, you know, connections. So now you have to it's like, no, like this ridiculous. Well, the, the thing is, it's so weird that they do this stuff. And it's the same thing I ran into with the poetry stuff and trying to find a place where I can actually share some of the stuff I've written. They don't have an, indiscri- they have an indiscriminate rule across the board. I mean, you ran into sites that were supposedly run by these publishers that were supposedly part of the mainstream. And they had these ridiculous, in part of their censorship, ha- including blaspheming laws where you weren't allowed to talk negatively about any religion or culture in any way and stuff. It's like, what? Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. You have to be allowed to speak the truth, whether it offends people or not. There's been cultural issues, religious issues, and all these different groups. There's nothing wrong with talking about that. There's nothing wrong with talking about the bigotry that exists in some atheist groups against religious groups either. Mm -hmm. And you can't be a person of faith and be honoring your faith if you're not willing to call out bad behavior in your own faith. Well, if you can't even do that, and I've seen a lot of religious sites will ban anything negative about anybody involved in any church. It's like, uh, no, we're supposed to call out the serpents in our own. 
Mm-hmm. We're supposed to call out the fakes. It's like you have to allow speech. You have to allow content. You have to allow people to speak, even if you don't like their opinion. Yeah. Because otherwise, there's no freedom. Absolutely. Well, Hunk- yeah, Hunky Chunky mentions 72-hour grace period from claim to removal in which the claimant has to prove. Well, that's what, and that's what I would say is that if someone makes a claim, I would say there should be a seven, it's like you should be informed whatever medium it is, whether it's YouTube, Indiegogo, whatever you should be. If someone makes a claim, you should be informed. And then all that, all that happens is you've been informed. Right. And then I, I think that I think you're onto something where maybe it should be like a 48 to 72 hour period where in that period, if they don't produce any actual data or facts to back it up, well, then all of a sudden that little warning goes away and nothing happens. The fact that they go straight to taking it down or straight to censoring it, that's the problem, right? It's like, no, it's one thing to to maybe let the person know, hey, by the way, this is being looked into um, and then giving a time frame for it versus, oh, we're going to take it down just because. It, that's, that's the trickiness and the tricky part to it, I think. Well, Look at um, ADA laws, and you're not supposed to, you know, censor, pull people or stuff for disabilities that cause certain speech or tics or behaviors, right? Yeah. How many times have people had issues where businesses have kicked them out for twitching or swearing in front of people? I've had that issue. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've had that issue where the manager refused to back off me when she was causing flare-ups even after she was told it. Yeah. Um, how many people have been kicked off of social media platforms for Tourette's or tics or spasms or stuff like that? Wasn't so, and, a streamer on Twitch who was kicked off because she said something and she had um, um, some type she of... She got a band that did a bunch of interviews a couple of years ago and then got put back on. That was Sweet Anita. Okay, they caved yeah. and put her back because uh, they didn't want the backlash, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she says, I don't agree with a lot of her opinions, but... She's a sweet person, genuinely. I've been hanging out in her Discord with her followers and with other people with tics and seizures, Tourette's and stuff for years. And it's a truly loving community that's trying to help people with these issues, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, she got in trouble for ticking and saying the N-word on one. And... Is it there? Look at it. Yeah, not only did they t- say that, saying that she was anti black and stuff, but A, it was a Tourette's tick. Mm-hmm. B, she's actually done stuff where she's released information and pictures on her family, and her dad's black. Yeah. So she's actually part black, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I thought there was supposed to be this grace that, that you give people if they're saying the words or slurs to their own culture, right? That's only only if you look. Only again, that's why it's it's it has nothing to do with race, right? It has every and this is something I know that you know a lot about too because of the interactions that you've had to go through mm-hmm. on social media as well. It's like if you don't look the way in which they think you should look, um, even though you are biologically a part of, of 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 a of a race or a different ethnic background, if you don't look it, then they don't care, which is ridiculous. You know, it's and like th- their viewpoint of looking at means you have to have this certain skin tone. Exactly. Which 90% of those skin tones don't even match the cultures and races of that group. Mm-hmm. It's like black have to look like this like point right before you hit the like Sudan really dark. 
Mm-hmm. But they can't look like the paler tribes. They can't look like any mixed races. They can't look like this. And there's an open bigotry in a lot of black communities against people who don't look dark enough. Or oh, absolutely. who look too Sudanese and look too dark. And Or anyone who is, you know, quote unquote mixed race. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of oh, hate that the mocha slurring and the insulting mm-hmm. the kids when they're mixed and stuff. I've dealt a lot with with my godchildren so yeah yeah um the other thing with that is they look at natives and they seem to think we're all supposed to be like this dark red almost black like louisiana you know you could be mistaken mm, for a black yeah. person kind of color or they also that was my papa or my papa was 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 very cajun yeah and um we like so it, when he would pick us up from when we were in grade school some people actually thought saying Oh, who is this person that picks you up? Like they they thought he must have been like a um uh like like a not not like a servant or anything like that, but like like a babysitter. Like they didn't think that we were related because he had such a, a dark complexion. But in reality it was that no, he's just he was like he was, you know, very very cajun, um mm-hmm. tanned very very easily, and so he looked very Now, it's funny because you know, when we look back at older photos of him, like he always had this dark skin and we would always joke because he grew up during a time, right? And in the South when racism was very, so had he known or been told any of that by us, he probably would have just like lost it because I'm going to be honest, he, he he said very offensive things a lot. Um, there was also a part of that <laughs> Southern era back then where... Absolutely. Does it make it right? No. Does it make it understandable as to why he and others would have done it? Yes, right? It does, so it doesn't make oh, it yeah. good, but at least you understand why. Well, was just, there was a lot of people in those tribes in the South in that era mm-hmm. would actually intentionally pretend to be black because they were less persecuted and less likely to be assaulted than they were as Native. Mm-hmm. And so they passed themselves off as the closest look to it they could find. Yeah. Just to try to survive. And that yeah. was for a while in that Southern era. And it it's not positive. It wasn't good on either side. It wasn't good. They There was that persecution. It wasn't good that they were taking somebody else's culture from them to try to hide themselves. None of it was good. But it's part of history and we can't erase that either. Yep. But so they either assume that or, you know, it's like I tell people, you'd be surprised who's minority. A, all the talk about, you know, Russia, Ukraine, you guys realize that's Eurasia. That's the line between Europe and Asia. The people there are mostly of Asian descent, not European. No, no matter how pale they are, they're still Asian lineage mm-hmm. is the majority of their background. You look at, yeah, I'm pale as all get out. My bone structure is very Sue. My body mm-hmm. type and my facial features are very Sue, but I'm pale as all get out. You look at, okay, who remembers Don Ho? Hawaiian singer? Mm. His daughter is Hoku, who is the one who did another dumb blonde, who's the one who's the joke blonde singer they all talked about who went Christian. That's his full-blood daughter. Her mother and father are both native. Wow. Does she look at at a glance unless you know the eye and facial structure? No. Yeah. Michael many Trump reasons why pale is all get out. I mean, yeah, and it's many reasons why the old adage, right? Never judge a book by its cover is so true because you really can't because uh-huh. it doesn't tell you anything about the, who, who the person actually is. And, um, and, and thinking that way, mixed race. you never yeah. know which skin color is going to actually win predominantly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad's side of the family were mostly native and stuff. My dad, both because of his medical conditions and his issues with sunlight and bleaching and stuff that came from those medical conditions and the muscular dystrophy, all that, combined with just the way his genes won out versus how his brother's genes went out. My dad was quite pale as a Sioux man, even though he was very native. Mm-hmm. His full blood brother was so dark he looked almost black. Yeah, <laughs> and that was from childhood. They both looked that way, mm-hmm. and so it, you never know what's going to win out when you have families of certain medical conditions or certain genealogical things or mixes. You never know what mm-hmm. look you're going to end up with. Yeah, and even just mixing between the tribes would create those kinds of issues. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I want to give a shout out. John Katarski gave a hyper chat donation. I believe that's what we call them over on Odyssey. Uh, thank you for the five dollar hyper chat donation, saying thank you for the call out. I wish I could do more. Well, thank you, man. And he's been sharing a little bit also about how he also suffers with uh, Tourette's as well. He has tics, um, and um, he he had mentioned saying that he says he says a certain word all the time, and yet uh, a lot of black people love him. And again, it's it comes down to. And that's why we need to always is something that ultimately needs to really be properly understood where it's like true hatred, right? Is when you are hating someone because of something specific. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're saying a word or you're saying something, it's like that doesn't automatically mean it, you know, it, it, that's again, there's that nuance there that we've just lost. It's just not, that's just immediately that oh, you must be canceled. Must be canceled. I, I could point out there was a time I had, my nerve issues flare up so bad. I actually started ticking and spasming in church, screaming the F word. So mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't controlled, but yeah, that in the middle of church will get quite a thing. Um, Actually, that's only partly true. While there is the Slavic, there's a lot of Mongolian blood that mixed into the belt of what it is now. I, I bet it depends on where you like, what region you're, you're, you're and in. There's, and there's nobody. In the Ukraine, there. there's a lot of the Rus. Like, isn't yeah. it? Aren't isn't the Rus? So I think that's more Slavic. I think. Yeah. What I'm saying is that area in general, also, mm. what you have in the whole Slavic belt there, yes, has the Slavic side, which came from Europe, but it has a lot of Mongolian and Chinese blood mixed in too. And there's nobody there who's not at least part Asian. A lot of people there are more Asian than they are white, but they're still pale skin. And that's that whole region. There's so much mixed blood now. You're going to have that. They're not just European. And they're not just Asian. And yeah, there are cultures and there are races, which literally the entire culture and race came from mixing multiple races. Yeah. And that's why ultimately, as I said, right, we should instead just look at each other for who we are, our personalities, and, you know, let that be the determining factor of of how we view each other, talk to each other, and ultimately, hopefully show respect to one another as well, you know? Besides, why would you want everybody you're around to be of the same mindset, thought process, or culture as you? You're not going to learn anything new or grow that way. <laughs> and that's why if you ever see any study, because people always say the studies of, oh, well, you know, greater diversity always breeds this. It's like, no, 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 no. You're, you're misrepresenting the studies. It's not because of diversity based on skill getting you know based on skin color it's no no diversity of worldview that is what allows for bigger bigger growth because if you have different worldviews 
meaning you have an actually different culture, which does not necessarily mean your skin color is going to be different. Sometimes it does, but doesn't always. Having a different culture is what allows you to think differently. And that's what makes a more effective workspace in many areas, right? Because you're taking the same idea or the same problem, and now you're coming at it from all these different angles because everyone thinks differently based on their, their, their culture. And so that's why what we really need to have is diversity of thought and not... Yeah. You know, cultural well, diversity, as it's often called. Let's look at the city I live in here in Iowa, which they claim is less than 5% black, but yet half the city is black neighborhoods. So I'm not sure how that works. But um, <laughs> yeah, you have major cultures here are you have very much the inner city black culture that came here from Chicago because they wanted to get out of Illinois because for a while they were sister cities. Yeah. And then you have. A lot of people that are Middle Eastern and Asian who came here because of, you know, getting out of their countries and working as engineers and in science and stuff, because there's a lot of engineering and science businesses here. Mm-hmm. And then you have a lot of very, um, I would say, stereotypical, almost over homogenized, quite often bit redneck and racist white farmers. Hmm. And that's about the city. And it's interesting as we technically have a lot of diversity in appearance, but this is a very narrow-minded area, actually, overall. Yeah. Because none of those groups interact with each other or are open to each other. They're really not. And I know that will ruffle feathers on the right because they try to say that there aren't cities where racism is still really an issue, but there really are. And it's not one-sided here. It's all three are na- narrow-minded towards the others. And... Yeah, we've got lots of diversity in appearance, but we have no diversity of thought allowed. We all stay, and they all stay within their own communities. And I'm looked at as some weirdo for bouncing between all the different little subsidies and communities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. it, it's sad. It is. It really is. Um, but I'm hearing uh, above me, it sounds like <laughs> baby Thor is uh, either has woken up from his nap or is very soon. He, I just, <laughs> it's just always to hear that. And it's like, okay, there he is. He's running around. Uh, so we're going to start to just to, to wrap things up. And so uh, thank you, of course, Mr. Roy and Rosetta. And we'll just go and uh, any final uh, shout outs or final things you want to say. We'll start Mr. Roy. Uh, no, I got no one to shout out this month. Um, I do appreciate you having me on. Um, of course. It's the first, I think, weekend that I've had free time. I know. <laughs> I know. That's time. why. Yeah, it's free like, it's amazing. What ha- I know. What's, what is that? Free time? What is that? This um, is some foreign words. Teach me. <laughs> it's sad because like what was happening to you for, for, for a few months where it just never matched up is now happening with, with K-Man. So I was like, no, it's like... <laughs> Can't, we can't get everyone on, it seems. Um, and I know Matt uh, 317 was going to try and jump on, but I think he had stuff going on today. Um, but, uh, but Mr. Roy, thank you, as always, for being here. Thank you. And for being my, my brother in, in, in collecting social, uh, not social, <laughs> collecting social media, yeah, collecting physical media. Uh, it's, it's, it's always, and that's why I love the, the Blu-ray or the Blu-ray uh, deals channel on, on our Discord because there's some pretty good, there's some pretty good 4K deals that are going to be happening. Uh, already happening and are going to be happening in the future. So um, mm-hmm. definitely shout out the Discord if you want to have those kinds of conversations. Uh, and then Rosetta, anything you want to say? Well, let me take one moment here to finish this little bunch here. And I'm going to figure out how many of these I got done on the stream. <laughs> gotcha. 
That's going to be my accomplishment for today. How many there can I go. actually pull off in one stream? So let's sign this one and then I'll start counting. <laughs> and for those that have uh, just joined, uh, Rosetta has been working on these bookmarks, which are beautiful uh, for friends and family, you said? Mm-hmm. And I'll sell a few out to help pay for the bills for some- making them all. But So one, go. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten, eleven. I feel like I'm playing cards. Wow. 13, 14, 15, 16. 16. Go fish. <laughs> yes. There is a thing with artists where we like pushing ourselves to see how much, how detailed, and how many we can do in time frames. So this is kind of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can you can check out Rosetta at our YouTube channel. It's just been posted in the the chat by Heimdall over on. Uh, uh, over in the YouTube chat. Uh, so again, check her out at Rosetta Allen. Uh, for anyone watching on Rumble or Odyssey, check her out at Rosetta Allen or Eagle Rider. Um, and thank you, as always, for, for being able to, to join us. Thank you, and it's always nice to come talk to you guys. Of course. Uh, and then a last shout-out to, to uh, John Katarski, once again, another $5 hyper chat saying thank you for ha- – hey, thank you for joining over on Odyssey today. And to – there was a gentleman earlier uh, who was also messaging. Hopefully my, my uh, words there made sense to you. He was talking about his historical reality of Jesus, and I had mentioned that, okay, well, there's Jewish and Roman sources – talking about him other than the actual accounts of scripture and he's like name one roman source and so i was like okay and tacitus and then didn't come back so anyway uh with all that being said uh and again a huge shout out to uh to father luca who was on with us earlier uh tina b as well empress of the universe shout out to laura who was in the chat a little bit earlier as well i know that she had uh some some stuff going on at uh just i think just busyness going on today so she wasn't able to join us uh and then i mentioned math 317 uh, not able to join us either but and also another one of the chosen members is uh we have zk man as well uh, who was not able to join, got his, uh, you know, got his uh, days mixed up and, uh, you know, is, again, family first. So uh, thank you, uh, K-Man, for, for continuing to support. And also, of course, uh, Miss Martin Muses, who also has her own uh, YouTube channel. K-Man, you can check out xtheboundaries.co, and I'll hear that in the shout-outs video at the very end. But any last words before we hit the closing credits? Mm. No. <laughs> all right well with that and uh john katarski said you wrecked him he was a bot boom awesome glad to hear it uh and again king king rubski thank you for hanging out over on rumble as well so you guys have been amazing i hope that you enjoyed this november chosen of Valhalla live stream uh we will try and work out some date in december december obviously is also somewhat complicated with with christmas and people taking holidays and breaks and all that stuff but we'll figure it out and uh anyway uh, if you want to be uh, be able to join us on the Chosen Valhalla stream next month, check out the top link in the video description to find the link tree, and you can look over at Patreon or Subscribestar. I have a Locals community as well. I'm trying to do some more stuff over there, and I'm everywhere. I literally am everywhere to try and give as many people as many options as they can. So you've been all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and as always... God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my November Patreon subscribe star and locals members at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Patreon with Father Luca Illich. 
Thank you very much, Father. Garrett Searles, Jaime Irie Hymason, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Orange Hat Reviews, who you can check out on YouTube at his channel, Orange Hat Reviews, Rosetta Allen, who also has a YouTube channel that you can check out at Eagle Writer, and Miss Martin Muses, who also has a YouTube channel, Miss Martin Muses, and of course, the amazing Empress of the Universe, Tina B., who you can check out at her YouTube channel, Tina B., where she hosts the show with Stephanie B., one of my mods and one of my Valkyrie, called Soup to Nuts. Check out Soup to Nuts, and it premieres pretty much every Friday. So again, shout out to all of my Patreon people. Also to all my Subscribestar people, starting off with Matt317. Check him out on Twitch at Matt317. The R, Fast Reaction, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, the Beer Guru, and Man. And Man, you can check out over at xtheboundaries.co to follow him uh, as he starts his podcast and also uh, for many of his musical musings as well. Check him out. Very, very talented guy. And then lastly, my local speaks. We got Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan. How about a hockey player? UAB Mad Dog, Mike Jackson for the win. J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing Laura, <laughs> the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all so very much for supporting me. And if you want your name shouted out at the end of every live stream and video, go ahead and check out the top link in the video description below where you get access to that. Also, you get access to special things like giveaways and also uh, exclusive podcasts that I do with John the Flick, Big Flickinger and other guests throughout the month of November and in the previous and, and, and the, yeah, the months to follow as well. And again, if any of that sounds interesting to you, especially the 4K giveaways, Steelbook giveaways, some of them that I have to give away this month are films like Starship Troopers on 4K Steelbook, Top Gun Maverick on 4K Steelbook, amongst many others. If that sounds interesting to you, check out the link and follow the instructions down below. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.